everybody, and welcome to episode 352 of Video Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparez, coming to you live from the Christopher Davis Memorial Studio. Who else is here with me? Chris, uh, getting through Marriage Story for an Oscar episode. Antista. Oh, you valiant soul. Who else? Uh, Christopher Davis fan and two-time Royal Rumble pool winner, Matthew Allen. And special guest. Cat Bailey, editor-in-chief and Parasite better win the best picture. That's all I can say. So. <laughs> oh, You're wasting your time right now, Chris. Don't bother mm. with any of those other movies. It's all Parasite all the way. No, no, no. I got all my money literally riding on Ford versus Ferrari. I love a movie. <laughs> I love a movie where Ford is the hero. Unfortunately, it's probably going to be something really stupid like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I, I wouldn't mind if that whoa, happened. Whoa, but, whoa. Which, by but the I'm, way, I enjoyed that movie, but it should mm-hmm. not win Best Picture. Aw. It's the Has only any... one that I've enthusiastically watched like twice in a row. Really? Yeah. I love it. I watched it. it on a plane. It was good. It was like mm. watching GTA the movie. <laughs> kind of. That's, that's not a bad analogy, actually. No, I, I, I love it visually. I love the, the ending. Um, it's, it's crazy. But it'll be JoJo. Mm, maybe. No. Oh. I like I don't JoJo. think so. That's the... It's going to win something, but not Best Picture. I, I got, I'm, a, I'm betting Be- on it, man. Best Wes Anderson movie not made by Wes Anderson, Jojo oh, Rabbit. Best Taika Waititi. Do not insult Taika like that. Everybody was comparing it to Life is Beautiful. That's the Nazi kid movie, right? Yes. 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 But yeah, uh, this, this show is not about Oscars. This is about a different kind of best list. If you've been following the show for the last few weeks, you know we've nope. been sort of skirting around, counting down the best games of the decade. We've each gone through our personal lists, and now it's time for the big special 10, ten actual, actual best, best games, games of the, of the decade, decade as voted for by me, Chris, and Matt, and another person who can't come on the show anymore but wanted to be part of it anyway. Thank you, Dave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, it's all revealed. Ah oh, uh, no! No, the French video games. We finally come to the end of this road, and, and this is an extravaganza. Yes, an extravaganza because this is a big, whopping list episode. Oh. This is a list listopode. Yeah, don't insult Chris like that. Come on, a wedding list. <laughs> yeah, I'm a modern. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> I take it back. This uh, episode is tiny and insignificant. Yes, it is. Thank it you. is. In the grand scheme of things. No, we are we are devoting this entire Like episode. Chris's dick. Oh, oh that's fucking guy. guy. <laughs> oh, you're gonna knock down all my nerd shit with your lean in. I did, I did. Uh yeah, th- this entire episode is gonna be devoted to the top. 10 countdown we are gonna dig in we think that these are 10 relatively universally beloved games uh, i cannot wait to see what cat shits on i really yeah. can't no i, I specifically <laughs> i specifically invited her saying like come on and make fun of our entries oh yeah, yeah. i was looking at your list and i was like oh i don't like that one don't like that one <laughs> really don't like that yeah. one these guys aren't even real gamers what the fuck yeah. yeah, they're all Call of Duties. Every mm-hmm. single game on our list. Yeah, yeah. there's one that I really order. Try to figure out which one. Ooh, hmm. I, oh, I can't wait. Well, I'm I'm sure we can uh, figure it out. Should we have a code word when it pops up on the list? Should Cat chime in with her code word? <laughs> Safe word. <laughs> Safe word. Um, Zenith Television. That's your code word. That when you oh, win it, Jesus. when the game you hate pops up, say Zenith Television. Deal. <laughs> All right. Well, let's figure out what we nominated right after this. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? 
then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. Maybe Anton Yelchin, and I would guess Kobe. There's probably footage of this happening, but Erwin uh, and Left Eye, Lisa Left Eye Lopez, definitely have videos, like video footage of them, their deaths. A well, video well, the camera. one that the video footage caused the death, we have to mention it is Princess Die. Oh, I guess yeah. Jesus Christ. Ninety-seven, thirty-six years old, mm-hmm. and that always blows my mind when I outlive people that seemed older to me. I mean, at this point, Chris, we both outlived Jesus, who died at thirty-three. Jeez. So you got that going for you. Died in a, an auto accident, but it was caused by paparazzi chasing yep. her. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I only remember my personal connection was that is I remember I got back from the beach with this girl I had liked for like a year but didn't seem to like me as much finally seemed like she was giving and I was so elated I remember I walked in and her mother's like Princess Di is dead I'm like who? oh Oh, well these things happen and I'm like la di da I do a little archy kick to my feet and whistle out the door I'm so happy right now (laughs) I didn't it didn't affect me at all Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And welcome back to what? The Top 10 Games of the Decade. Beginning with... Number 10. You are banished from death. Cast adrift between the worlds of light and dark. Curse binds us together within the walls of Arda. If what you say is true, then how do we break this curse? We find the one who cast it on us. The Black Hand of Sauron. Thousands of years ago. <laughs> it does sound like the cybernetic ghost of Christmas. You guys voted for Clash of Clans? <laughs> This is Shadow of Mordor. Yes, not to be confused with Shadow of War, which was not. Gotta quite admit, as I'm a little surprised to see this in the top in a top ten list. Yeah, really? it was the real zenith of the 2014. Oh, I gotta say. there it is. There it is. There's the safe word already. <laughs> well, okay. hey, at least it was our number ten and not like our number one. That, that yeah. would have been awkward. <laughs> Wait, but you hate this game? Like this? Hate? You can't hate this game. It's just Assassin's Creed with with a different skin and a little more boring. Interesting. <laughs> I'm going to need more detail than that. <laughs> and they may or may not have literally used assets from Assassin's Creed if mm. you look at some of the footage. So I'm going to say the nice thing about this game is that it was very beautiful. Mm-hmm. I thought the Nemesis system was very clever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I like there are some good stories that came out of it, you know, um, and I'm a little sad. And this is not the fault of Shadow of Mortar. I'm sad that other games have not built on the concepts that it introduced because i thought the concepts behind the genesis the nemesis system in which you know uh enemies like a random mook Mm -hmm. that who happens to kill you can rise all the way to the top of the list you know yeah Mm -hmm. and and will often say strange and funny things when they re-encounter you in the world all i want is to put my bloody feet up for a bit now i gotta kill you instead it never rains. <laughs> R.I.P. Terry Jones. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. 
but yeah, that, that, that's interesting that when this came out, I was like, why Why is it that more games haven't ripped off Assassin's Creed and kind of taken that gameplay and done more things with it? And now I'm, I'm left down the road saying, why haven't more games ripped off Shadow of Mordor with the Nemesis system? Like, there have been attempts, mm-hmm. but none of them have quite been the same thing. Mm. Like, I guess because I'm, I'm just guessing because it's that's why you call it AAA, baby. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. And that that market, not market, but uh, that industry is getting smaller as smaller games are getting bigger that, throughout this decade. Yeah, but at the same time, open world games are such a slam dunk these days. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. hard to make, but I mean that's what people want. So many of the most popular games right now are open world in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a way you introduce a lot of value to a single-player experience. Is the, it basically is the promise of at least 100 hours spent playing this mm-hmm. thing, whether you mm-hmm. play it or not. You know, You're never going to stop playing because we're going to give you DLC and a yeah. season pass and yeah. content updates. And we're probably going to break it at some point with a, with a patch. It's going to be great. <laughs> or we'll completely obliterate the franchise with loot boxes. Hmm. Well, that's not Shadow of Mordor. Shadow of Mordor, I think it had like a couple pieces of DLC. It and did. and then it got a sequel, and then the sequel kind of... Uh, That's what I'm saying. Well, the yeah. sequel, I think the sequel's problem was it didn't do much to build on this, this formula. I and mean, you were talking mm-hmm. about other games not building on it. I guess the cardinal sin is, in, in a sequel like this, is, well, did you... Did you try anything I mean, big they new? got Kumail Nanjiani. What else do you want? It's true. Is it fair to say that Shed of War like, kind of diminished the popularity of the original game? Because I feel Is like it, people yeah. broadly had good feelings about it, but then Shed of War kind of like dimin- like took that away. It did. Yeah, well, I felt like, like Shadow of Mordor was more of an open world game. Shadow of War was kind of like, rather than a big open world, you get all these little discrete open worlds, and there's like this conquest metagame where you have to... You try to conquer all of them with your orc army. It was kind of more focused on the big picture than on yeah. the little picture. And I really enjoyed just being this ranger behind enemy lines, as blasted and miserable as they were, and getting to kind of raid outposts full of orcs, figure out creative ways to dispatch them. I really liked not so much building an orc army, but like taking control of orc commanders and, and watching them like move up the ranks. I liked interacting with Ratbag and him introducing some of these concepts as the game went along. Once the war chief hears of my victory, he'll make me his personal bodyguard. <laughs> and how does this help me? Uh, a backstabbing bodyguard? I'll take care of one of the war chiefs for you. And you do the other four on your own. There are a few feelings as cool as, like, building up like all right now i'm targeting this guy now i'm gonna make his lieutenants the guys that i control and they're gonna move up into these spots and he's just gonna be surrounded by traitors and have no idea and then when i ambush him he's gonna have his dudes with him and i'm gonna hit a button and they're all gonna turn on him yeah and they're gonna do my job for me like that was really it really was a good cool. payoff yeah. to work you you were you were seeing your the the fruits of your labor Mm-hmm. Uh, it, which you typically don't in an open world game over time. You accomplish a lot of little tiny tasks, but it's not like they build on one another. Yeah. Whereas in this game, it's like, no, yeah, the stuff, the time you're spending in converting these dudes is going to pay off. And when it does, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, this is, this is a good game. It's funny you mentioned the, the, the little mini, um, mini worlds thing from the second game because the first one, I don't think a lot of people remember, it technically had, is it two open it world is two. maps? Yeah. And like the first one is like just this. 
horrible volcanic ruin that you think of when you think Mordor, and then yeah. it's just like, oh no, there's actually parts of Mordor that are quite nice, and that's the second map, and like, oh, there's actually like some grasslands, and it's kind of pretty. And yeah, it used to be nice, and mm-hmm. they haven't completely wrecked it yet. Mm-hmm. And there are caragors to ride around on, and there's little uh, insertions from Lord of the Rings into this world, for example. Bright master is good. He looks after us. Shut your insolent mouth. Nasty ranger. He knows nothing of the bright master. Yes, I'm really, really into this bright master thing. If that's not Andy Circus, that's a pretty decent Pretty good going. Yeah, pretty yeah, yeah. good. And the bright master, of course, is Celebrimbor, Celebrimbor. The, uh, the wraith of the elf who forged the one ring and all the other rings of power. And you, as this undead ranger, are bonded to him. And uh, he keeps bringing you back from the dead over and over again. So your death actually factors into the game's story. There isn't ludonarrative dissonance there. It's all connected. Uh, well, I did quite admire... I didn't think I didn't think Warner Brothers Studios was going to be able to squeeze anything out of this license mm-hmm. just because it's so tied to those books. But uh, it, it was... I'll give it that. Like, it was, it was pretty neat. Because, by, by the way... Shadow of War didn't squander my faith in this fucking license. It was the Hobbit movies where it's like, Jesus, why did I ever like this? <laughs> that would squander anyone's faith, really. This, this is too long. This I, is I, a fucking oh, that's t- an understatement. I wonder if that explains, like, the. I, I don't know about the sales figures for War compared to Mortar, but I, I would have to imagine they were, mm. they were fewer copies sold. And I wonder if it has to do with, yeah, a lot of that goodwill in the franchise was just lost. Like, eh, yeah. I'm not doing more of this. Yeah, they really ran into the buzzsaw, didn't they, with Battlefront? But yeah. mm. looking yeah. back at Shadow okay. of Mordor, uh, I know a lot of token fans ended up hating that game. <laughs> <laughs> of Mordor or, or Yeah, War? Shadow of Mordor. Really? Yeah. Huh. I mean, actually, I interviewed a token scholar. And the, the, the people who were developing that game did their absolute best to be respectful to the lore as mm-hmm. possible. But I, I don't know. Go check out my old article over on US Gamer. Uh, the Tolkien Scholar was like, nah, it's, it's not good. Sorry. I, I just like <laughs> thinking of Tolkien fans as like the original internet gatekeepers That's... with their fandom. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's totally true. But there's like one of the major, I think, stumbling blocks was, correct me if I'm wrong, but the main character dies and then comes back to life, right? Yes, repeatedly. And you can't really do that in the token verse like that is like a no-go and they like kind of try and tiptoe around it uh, Gandalf but... does it <laughs> he's technically kind of like but a he's demigod. special yeah he's like he's an like, angel I'm Gandalf the white I've been made white in the blood of Christ <laughs> <laughs> but on a Reborn! positive front my favorite thing to do was to set war chiefs on fire especially if oh. they disliked fire mm-hmm. or to cover them in locusts or whatever the bee, the beehive hanging things, those are pretty yes. cool. Mm-hmm. Yes, a good strategy, oh, yeah, a good strategy for almost any war chief is basically to cause a lot of chaos, try and get them scared, get them to flee, run them down, and then backstab them. Mm-hmm. Or no, wait, you could uh, do the thing where you grab their head and go into their mind, and oh, then you yeah. could make it blow up. Ooh, oh, that's, yeah. that's always oh, yeah. fun, yeah. Quick and easy way to take them out. Remind me, because that's one one of the things that I really liked in this game is the War Chiefs had strengths and weaknesses. And, and so you really had to study up and say, okay, is this even going to do any damage? Because some of them, it's like, cannot be damaged with arrows. And so don't even try. 
did did the Batman games take that and use that later on? Like Arkham Knight, I feel like they might have with some of the some of the crime guys. I feel like I mean, some, every, the, there were people who like couldn't be punched, and you had to oh, like yeah. I don't know, like whack them. Or uh, duck under their legs first, but nothing super like Well, because that's the other thing we haven't mentioned, though, is this game is Assassin's Creed with Batman combat, Mm. basically. The combat is straight up Batman. It's a wait wait for the wavy line to appear above someone's head, Mm -hmm. counter, rinse, and repeat. Yeah, Yeah. Wait for the stink lines. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I love Shadow of Mordor, and this is one of those times, like, and I I feel like a lot of the games in the top ten are not necessarily the games that won for the years that we did best games of the year. Yeah. Like like the age, you're saying they like kind of like the age... I think it. I think it's somewhat to do with the shifting makeup of the show. Like there, except for me and Chris, there are different people working on the show than there were in 2014. But Hi. but also, I kind of feel like eh, maybe maybe got it a little wrong that year. Because I, in in retrospect, that's like the one that always sticks out in my mind. It's like I kind of regret not giving this game of the year instead of Dragon Age uh, Inquisition. But that's just me. I think this game. It might be on our top ten list. This is a popcorn game. Like, this Mm. is a game that you can just kind of play over a weekend, get through it, and never have to think about it again, and never go back and have, like, a really fun, amazing time. Unless you have a video game podcast, in which case you have to keep returning to it. Sure, ten years later. A couple years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Six six years Uh later. But, uh, no, (laughs) this game, I think, I know that maybe it hasn't aged well, and maybe, yeah, the, the Shadow of War thing didn't... Uh, you know, didn't do it any favors. But at the time, people were really stoked on this game. Because the other thing is, like, because all the screenshots and it looks so much like Assassin's Creed, I think a lot of us were preparing for this game to not be good when it was about to come out. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, I don't know. Really? It's kind of pretty derivative. Mm. There's so much hype. My God. Yeah. yeah. But it, and, and it deserved it, is what I'm saying. It was, mm. you know, when it came out. It was a fun game that tried new things and pushed that genre in different directions. And, yeah, I, I you know, for me... It, it definitely wasn't something that I was betting on. I was one of those people, Cat, who were just like, bullshit, this is going to work. No way. Mm-hmm. And it did. Yeah, it does have that shocked. kind of, like, we bolted on this weird uh, corporate fan fiction to, to a lo- beloved franchise feel to it, but I, I felt like it really worked well. Corporate fan fiction. That's uh-huh. a good way. Yes, yes, My yes. favorite was in Shadow of War when they turned Shelob into a human woman. That, that was, was weird. <laughs> so she could be sexy. Yeah, I still yeah. don't quite understand what the basis for that was. So she could have eight butt cheeks. Oh, yeah. Okay, makes <laughs> sense. Spider is well known for their eight butts. Somebody promote me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, mm. uh, well, yeah. So, Shadow of Mordor, I loved it, even if none of you jamokes do. I liked it a lot. Yeah. yeah um, it's it's I, on I'm my shocked top Hold on. It, ha- Michael, was this your number one? It was not my number one. Okay, I thought it might have been. No, it was a high-ranking one for me. But Oh, was it? Okay. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, just a little peek behind the curtain here, folks. So, the way we got to the order of this list is we mm-hmm. kind of ordered them, and, and that weighted the list. Yeah, and, and then I added up uh, the numbers that everyone put by them, and the lower the number, the higher the placement on the list it got. Yeah. So, our, our number one got, like, five. I any of these. No, nope, no. Nope. So I disavowed this list in its we, entirety. We just invited you after, on afterward to uh, to provide authenticity and to judge the list. So, oh, so yeah. Are you find it lacking? Judging the fuck for out a of segment, it. a segment we're giving Cat saying, "Is it better than FIFA?" And, and <laughs> no, <laughs> I cast no. ye down, shout wow. of mortar into the abyss. Nothing is better than FIFA. <laughs> I, I cast Set Blatter on thee. 
<laughs> I'll tell you, I do watch, uh, look at my team in FIFA and just kind of go, my precious, my precious, <laughs> beautiful cards. Yes, my lovelies. You got a uh, Ronaldo in there? Huh? No, um, no. I don't know who that is. I just, I know he has a bubble sock for the advertising <laughs> Cartoon Network. Well, We're not rich. Jeez. <laughs> Speaking of corporate fan fiction bolted into a beloved franchise. Number nine. Mr. Lee spoke to me. Worried. Are you into something dangerous? Oh, it's just a story Mary Jane's investigating. Don't worry. I'll make sure she's careful. Please tell me you two are back together. We're talking again. Maybe steps. Uh, well, a fight rages in the background. What game could this be? Spiderman. Yeah. <laughs> what were you saying about open world games, Cat? <laughs> two for two, baby. Two for two. This list is a little heavy on uh-huh. them. I'll say that. I'll say that. I, I feel like, but I feel like everything I ended up voting for is usually a little nostalgic and retro. But a big part of this for me was that just we haven't had a good comic book game in a long. There's been mm. like Batman and nothing, and it was just great to see one of the one of these characters I grew up grew up loving in this beyond like it's just a wonderful triple a game like a really polished uh product i really liked it yeah yeah i was wrong too this is the second popcorn game on the list so far this is another one of those that it was just like a joy to play start to finish mm. absolutely devoured it over the span of eh, maybe a week total to, to get all the side stuff and platinum this game and yeah this is like they, it's they're not they weren't doing anything that was completely genre redefining, but it was no. it was Spider Man Two, the the old Spider Man Two video game that we all loved, and just like taken to its logical conclusion with all the updates to the tech we've had since then. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. just shout really, out to really, Brian mm. Intihar, formerly of One Up, who ended up uh, directing this one. Ooh, game wow. journalists who turn into game developers unite. Wow, yeah. nice. I can't even imagine working in the industry again. This guy's a director over here. <laughs> I and- I met him last year. Uh, at GDC when he was kind of doing his victory tour mm-hmm. and he had this slightly wild-eyed look like I what happened to me I I can't believe this happened to me this is so awesome I, conquered <laughs> I got the to world. direct a game about Spider-Man and it was awesome mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I mean it, it had the, the benefit of being a first party product so you know you tend to know how that goes those get a little more stank thrown on them and they don't have to worry about recouping any money mm-hmm. or let's say Activision <laughs> I think at- um I, I think it really benefited Insomniac uh, to work mm-hmm. on this game because, I mean, I wouldn't exactly say they're a low ebb, but they had had kind of a tough start to the beginning of the generation between Sunset Overdrive and mm-hmm. whatever the heck that EA game is was that right. nobody remembers anymore. I totally Use? forgot about it. Yeah, and now Insomniac has went back into the fold with Spider-Man in a big way. And it not only put them back on the map, it sent them into, I would say, the top tier of developers in so many ways. And so everybody's like, yeah, Insomniac's back. And then Sony went and bought them. Yeah. Like, huge reward there, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's it's interesting that I think as much as... Sony has gotten flack and people love the MCU. Like, Sony currently has produced two of the best Spider-Man properties ever and produce them very near one another, like this and Enter the Spider Verse. Uh, right. I, I think are just two two fantastic Spider Man. That made it on our movie of the decade, our yeah. top ten movies of the decade, as well. It should, with, with no argument from anyone either. Yeah, and I, I think this this had its 
you know, it, it had the way paved for it a little bit by the the Activision games and you know NeverSoft and uh, mm-hmm. oh, the and Arkham, Sp- Spider Man Two. It like this is this is yeah. kind of like remember what you thought Spider Man Two felt like yes. when you played it in the early two thousands. Yeah. That's this. Yeah, yeah, but better, much better. Yes, way, better. way more game there. Combat system was amazing. Well, like I don't I don't know if any of you have tried to go back and play Spider Man Two recently. No, no. It, it is like swinging around a cardboard diorama of New York City. Like it feels just weird and like a that? toy. But that was a PlayStation Two era. I yeah, mean, yeah. Have and, you got, and back tried then to go it back was great. And play Vice City. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, I play it on my phone sometimes. <laughs> oh, wow, it's a little bit That's of a incredible. different experience though, because you're not swinging around these things at high speed and getting to see all the flaws yeah. in every angle of them. But but I, yeah, I thought that that was the best thing about the game is the fucking speed. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's another thing I thought. That I, I think it's only fair uh, they stole the combat system from Arkham, given that it is literally Spider Sense. Yep. It, it, <laughs> it, yes. it makes more sense with Spider Man. Oh, that's not but, all like, they stole from Arkham. I got this. I love that Metal Gear Solid has uh, determined what the se- what stealth sequences should yeah. sound like. Yeah, they li- you literally hang dudes from gargo- gargoyles in this yes. game like you do in Arkham <laughs> games. That's true. It's great. Yeah. But, folks, the puddles! What about the puddles? <laughs> Fucking puddle game, motherfuckers. No dynamic reflections in the... Who cares? But I fell in love with, like... Uh, just like overlooking its game design in a way that I haven't in a while, just because like I I just never thought we'd get a Spider-Man game this pretty. Like, did you did you find yourself like falling in love with a trick in every every Manhattan window is like a illusion? Oh yeah, of a giant I room. Think I remember that. And that and that uh, and that the dialogue. I love that the dialogue is the, the actor recorded it twice. So when you're active, he has a, like an out of breath version mm-hmm. of his dialogue, and huh. they seamlessly cut between oh, them whether you're yeah. walking yeah. or right. swinging. That's right. Huh. All these extra touches that most games, I guess, probably wouldn't have the time or the money to like put mm-hmm. into place. Like uh, again, I think it, it really benefited by being first party. So I don't know if we'll ever see anything like this again. And I, I still am criticizing Marvel's complete disinterest in this entire fucking medium at this point. Like, the idea what that they killed ha- Chris. I, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. The Avengers. Square Enix is adven- Avengers. Uh, the, Chris, would you say this is the zenith of Spider-Man games? No, Cat, you must <laughs> no. love this game. No, I know Cat's Cat's a Crackdown person. That's that's not going to Spider-Man won't appeal the to everyone. Crackdown Three was a pretty fun, but I don't know that I'd say that it's the best of the decade. Uh, uh, no, I, yeah, Cat, yeah, seriously, what a silly choice. Uh, no, um, Sp- Spider-Man, I yeah, I, I just absolutely loved and. Um, I was going to say something, but you know, I, I think there's there's value in just listening to the sound of exploring the city. Spider Man, shoot him! Man, Fisk goes away, and suddenly it's amateur hour. What are we supposed to do against the last? 
Yeah, they're swinging around, getting into fights, and then there's and that the, that really weird moment. Like, did you guys see the E3 demo before this came out, where yeah. it was like this thing where it kept like shifting into first person, like all this crazy stuff, and you're like, ah, this is this isn't real. This is, the, the game won't be like this. And then it came out, and there was that exact sequence just in the middle of the game, and the rest of the game is nothing like that. But then you do this, and it's like it's like you've just left an amusement park and went into a dark ride or something, where it's like it's it's all feels like it's on rails, and the perspectives shift exactly when they do in the demo. But it, yeah, if yeah. you're gonna if you're gonna pay to create an E3 demo, you're gonna use that. Yeah. Thing, <laughs> it just kind of stuck out like a, a weird thing then it's just like none of the rest of the game is like this this feels like you're just playing through the spec footage now you which i guess sound, is pretty cool you sound like you're spouting conspiracy theories like mm. our boy j jonah jameson mm. uh the podcast host is that that's that's yes. how they've updated him for this game right yeah, info wars yeah, yeah, yeah. nobody in the media is actually in the media anymore that's they're all true. podcast hosts yeah True. Photo department. We don't have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. I mean, who's going to be a photographer in this day and age? Mm. TMZ. Yeah, that's oh, don't listen to you. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe I can get. But yeah, but just as a, a longtime comics fan, and yeah, it, it's all wrapped up in the. You know, co- comics are like a. Um, they're 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 household comic characters are household names now, except for a lot of Spider Man's stuff, given the nature of where he is in the MCU. But seeing all these characters done so well and like introducing Miles in a way that like has me like there has to be a sequel coming that's going to be so wonderful. And and then that enter the into the Spider-Verse now people know who Miles is, but he's introduced so elegantly in this game and uh, MJ rules and it's my favorite Stan Lee cameo in almost anything because he's they set him up as the fucking cook. Oh yeah. RIP. <laughs> I was Not always so- rooting for those two. This Spider-Man is a product of Sony still having a piece of the Spider-Man license, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think so. So, in the last couple of years, we've gotten this game, and we've gotten into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. I think that's quite a bit better than a lot of the MCU Spider-Man uh, output. Me yeah. too. Me too. Like Looking I said, at you, two Thor. of the best things. Everybody likes <laughs> but- to crap on Sony for what they're doing with Spider-Man. I'm like, I don't know. I, mm. I kind of like all these different takes on Spider-Man. It's like different runs of comic books. Well, yeah, I mean, that was the, I think, the thing that I astonished me. I think the Andrew Garfield that- movies left a bit of a taste in people's mouths. Oh, they're the, they're the worst. Yeah. But like this game in particular, like even more so than the Arkham games, like really trusted people with Spider-Man to understand Spider-Man lore. And uh, you all know who you're working with in the beginning. And you you know it's who it's going to be and like I just I don't know I love that it just gave people the benefit of the doubt like we have an idea that you know this considering this decade they rebooted they had Uncle Ben talk to Spider-Man again Didn't was they? it Martin Martin Sheen yeah hmm you mean for well you don't see Uncle Ben at all in this fucking game you can visit his goddamn grave and get a trophy for it I didn't have to see you die this time but I did get to see new origin stories for a bunch of other villains for some reason yeah I'm trying to help you Otto Free to continue your work in a secure environment at Oscorp. You always were the smartest guy in the room. You haven't changed a bit. Neither of you. Uh, I wonder which one of us will become evil first. I do also like that they're setting up uh, Mm -hmm. like Green Goblin. For, yeah, for, yeah. For, for for the next game, mm-hmm. which 
come on, there's going to be a next game. You know, yeah. there has to be. Really? Just, I, you know. Well, it's it seems like an inevitability. I don't know. I mean, I always thought of Spider-Man as a standalone series. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like when that one issue came out in the '60s and we never saw the character yeah. again. Like, oh, it's just a one-off. No, no, yeah, no. As a child also, who grew up reading it in the Sunday comics every week, I know that Spider-Man went on, and I only saw every seventh version of it. <laughs> also, I wanted to applaud them, but with just the the fan service in the form of the costumes which all come oh. with unique powers but they never force you to wear that costume once you unlock the costume you can put the power on any other costume mm-hmm. yeah and i i just wanted like thank god like i don't want to be fucking punk spider punk forever i do i just want that skill I, I just like i got this the steve ditko costume and it's like i'm done that's that's yeah, the only costume yeah. i need it's so awesome I ran, but but even then, I like I thought their original costume was phenomenal. I thought it was a really good design, hmm. and they kept adding that in DLC. The only thing I, or there's one thing I didn't like about the game, and that was just the DLC. It just like it was really just more crap with like no charm. Hmm. I didn't really play the DLC. I I, 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 I have to play it. I just uh, yeah, just just got it, so I have to hmm. play it now. Right. Report I the, back. the first two and just like, uh, oh yeah, that's what DLC is. It's uh, not mandatory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. not. No, you mean, no, that's you a... mean not everything is Kingdom Hearts three remind. No, sigh. In, in actuality, like you can, <laughs> playing they... most DLC, you can see like there's a reason why this is for the biggest fans in the world because they know they couldn't sell this to everybody because it's boring <laughs> and dull. No, but with Remind specifically, it's like mm. they are completing the story, the, the ending of that yeah. game. I don't, I don't like that. No, that's DLC. not I feel true. Like that Tomb Raider game made that infamous with uh, is it Underworld that it's just like yeah, but the the real ending is in the DLC, and also Ashura's Wrath did something similar. Oh, yeah. I was reminded print. that apparently Dragon Quake Age Inquisition has incredible DLC, and I was like, yeah, mm. but I finished that game and put it away and never picked it up again, and yeah. don't ever tell me the real ending is in the DLC, because for God's sake, I'm not playing it. That's, <laughs> right. That's why YouTube exists. Yeah, the real ending is on YouTube. <laughs> I'll watch someone else play that. <laughs> All right. Well, mm. let's move along to Spider-Man. Number eight. Uh. Oh. Are you all right? I'm trying to learn how to whistle. You don't know how to whistle. Well, does it sound like I know how to whistle? Any Good guesses? There. Any guesses what this is? I mean, I know because I laid out the soundboard, yeah. but... Uh... <laughs> Chris? Cat? The, the, the last of them. Yes! Venus. Is it FIFA? Yes, this is The Last of Us. That was, of course, Ellie and Joel having an exchange. This is a nice family game. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing nothing big goes yeah, on yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. You seem to have captured all the sounds with that in mind. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I have one that I'm like on the fence. Like, should we play this one or not? Mm. So you guys, you guys think this is the zenith of Sony's PS3, Don't PS4 you. exclusives? How dare you? <laughs> I do actually. Yeah. Oh no. Actually, I mean, literally, no, I think Horizon Zero Dawn it. is much worse than this game. What? <laughs> what dimension are we in right now? <laughs> Hell dimension. The Last of Us is a masterpiece. Hmm. Uh, yeah, and frankly, sure. you I'm can hit right. a man in the head with a brick and he falls down. Frankly, I'm surprised. You know what I learned from uh, The Last of Us? What's that the real the bad guy, the real villain is man. Mm. Well, what you know what Ellie learned? <laughs> I'm whistling. Oh, good. It's 
Something else you can drive me crazy with. Mm. That's awesome. <laughs> but I no, I, she I learned think a whistle. She saw a giraffe for the first she time. Did. I think this game is a masterpiece because, and one of the reasons is the interactions between Joel and Ellie. Like they really, they made they they pulled the trick off where I think of them as real characters, as real people, and mm. their interactions I think are a big reason of that. Like those moments aren't even cinematics. That's just like as you're going through levels, Ellie starts to do stuff and she'll have conversations with Joel. Ellie sort of acts like the comic relief sometimes in a game that's pretty serious Mm -hmm. in that she finds an item throughout the world and then proceeds to read jokes from said item. Okay, we need to lighten the mood. Ready? It doesn't matter how much you push the envelope, it'll still be stationary. What is that? joke book no pun intended volume two. Oh, the joke book uh, mm. which includes uh, chris don't worry the humor gets a lot more blue Are you ready i walked into my sister's room and tripped on a bra it was a booby trap <sighs> i like that one <laughs> <laughs> but uh but no no the interactions between ellie and joel i thought were awesome but just the gameplay itself like I didn't know what to expect before this game came out. I think they did a pretty good job of sort of hiding what the actual game was. Like it was, mm-hmm. we knew it would be a cinematic, uncharted-like experience. But it turned out to be repetitive stealth. Okay, we're supposed to be doing our best of list. Are we just going to shit on all ten games? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> I knew I came on this podcast for a reason. <laughs> for this, we bumped Shovel Knight. It's the part I was born to play, baby. <laughs> no, I, I seriously, I, I love The Last of Us. And I, I disagree that it was boring stealth. It was also really fun uh, exploding hens with a shotgun. That that was yes. great. And I remember getting into an argument with colleagues, possibly publicly, where uh, one of them was decrying violence in another game, and, but at the same time like talking about how great The Last of Us is going to be. And it's like, well, wait, wait a second. The Last of Us is way more violent than that other game you're complaining about. Like, what? What's the defining line? He's like, "Well, The Last of Us is going to be high art." I'm like, "Oh, but yeah, high art." Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on, it's a video game, man. It's, but it's they're all video games. It's all just entertainment. It's all fake. Stop talking about it like people are really dying. I mean, it's just a, kind of a takeoff of Cormac McCarthy's The Road, isn't it? And that's what everybody's saying. I would say it's a great deal less bleak than Cormac McCarthy's The yeah. Road. Um, for starters... Well, everything, everything Matt described was is, is why I like it. I like mm-hmm. the characters, and I like their repartee, and yeah. I like I like being around them. I just I didn't like the gameplay or the enemies hmm. at, so, at the end of the day. If you allow me to drop the facade for a moment, I'm not really this cynical. I only play a cynical person on television. Oh, all right, all right. Um, mm-hmm. I think The Last of Us is an extremely well-made game, and I think the opening is one of the best that you're going to find in a game like the menace and the tension as uh they're escaping their house and you don't know what the heck is going on and it's all from the daughter's point of view if i yeah, recall in correctly the, the opening the first, sequence yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's a harrowing sequence where you're sitting in the car and you hear the the family kind of quietly arguing and not sure what's going to happen and they hit traffic all the way up until the moment when she, uh, spoiler alert, dies. Oh, you mean this moment? Hey, we need help. Stop! It's my daughter. I think her leg is broken. Stop right there! Okay. We're not s- sick. I've got a couple of civilians on the outer perimeter. Please advise. 
Daddy, what about Uncle Tommy? We're gonna get you to safety and go back for him, okay? Sir, there's a little girl. But... Yes, sir. Listen, buddy, we've just been through hell. Okay, we just need... I had to cut it off there because I will start to lose it on the show if we keep playing. You gotta shoot that little girl, Private. I, I mean... Shoot her like there's no tomorrow I and was, drink her blood. When I was pulling this clip, like, it goes on and her crying is like, it tears you apart. Yeah, yeah, you know what will also tear you apart? Mushroom zombies! <laughs> just wanted to make sure we got at least one clicker. Well, yeah, I guess we didn't mention, you know, for those of us who have been living in their bomb shelters for the past mm-hmm. 10 years and don't know about this game, it is a post-apocalyptic game where it's a... I love the take on zo- on the zombie genre. It's not a disease or anything. It's like a fungus. Yeah, that it's takes, cordyceps. Yeah, that takes over... Uh, part of your brain and makes you zombie-like and mm. like even the zombie design like it looks just like fungus has grown all over their heads and yep, stuff and yep. you got the clickers and but that even oh, the fucking clickers they but, took a page right out of steven spielberg's book with that thing yeah with the uh, the clickers just making the noise to let you know that they're there mm-hmm. but it i mean that's brilliant though because that plays into the stealth gameplay and a big part of the game like your superpower because this is a video game is you just listen very closely and mm-hmm. you kind of start to see the outline of generally where things are but that's and so the thing is like that's only half the game though because because ha- like cat was saying the real enemy is man and so there's there are the zombie segments and the clickers that you have to get past mm-hmm. but then like they're actually not that hard once you learn how to get around clickers they're just more annoying. It's the humans that, yeah. that are the, the toughest enemies to fight. The clickers are boring. The raiders, the cannibals. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it, it is a world that's been taken over by zombies. And for so long, in fact, and one of the things I love between Joel and Ellie is, is um, there's this generational divide mm-hmm. uh, where mm-hmm. Ellie has grown up in this world not really knowing what the world was like. And so it, it's like, almost like the inter- – so the interactions they have obviously very father-daughter. It's like any interaction a kid has with their parent, like back in the old days, uh, for example. I thought you had plenty of food in your time. Oh, we did. Some just chose not to eat it. Why the hell not? For looks. That's stupid. <laughs> like, I think I've had that exchange with my kids at least, like, once a day for the past few years at this point. So, hmm. yeah, no, that that's, that's real. But, Joel and I think there's also this dynamic where, like, so Joel and Ellie are – they do have this father-daughter relationship, but they don't – the game plays with you in that like that doesn't always last. And so Joel kind of knows he doesn't – he's trying not to get overly attached to Ellie because of what happened with his daughter, Sarah. Mm-hmm. But there is a moment, in fact, though, where like they, they it comes out and it's one of the most emotional moments in the game uh, between the two characters. Not her, you know. What? Maria told me about Sarah. Ellie! And... You are treading on some mighty thin ice here. 
I'm sorry about your daughter, Joel, but I have lost people too. You have no idea what loss is. Everyone I have cared for has either died or left me. Everyone fucking except for you. So don't tell me that I would be safer with someone else because the truth is I would just be more scared. First Rough. cannibals we meet, and boom, it goes full Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, that, even I regret saying. It. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Joel I, doesn't really do much for me as a character. I, I, I understand, like people who are, especially who are dads, can identify. I think Ellie is the best thing about Last of Us, honestly, mm-hmm. and that's borne out in the DLC. And mm-hmm. it's no coincidence that she is the main character of Last of Us Two, in my opinion. Yeah, well, yeah, when she says she has face lost, I love that we got to see in the Left Behind DLC, like, no, she's, she's face lost just like Joel has. Yeah, you know. and, you know, that, then there's that moment in the game to get a little bit spoilery where Joe seems to take what, what may or may not be a fatal wound, and then it just shifts to, like, several months later, and you're just playing as Ellie, and like, oh, did Joel oh, die? Shit. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. But I, I, think, I think Joel, what makes him appealing is seeing his transformation because he is the sort of like hard-bitten stereotypical badass is just like oh i've lost everybody and now i'm just a remorseless raider and a criminal and this is just my life now i've adjusted to the post-apocalypse and like having to get getting this job where like i have to guard this girl as she moves across the country it changes him in interesting ways and he kind of softens and becomes a little more like he he learns to open himself a little more to to the world and to affection and i i i think that's an important part of the she's got a joke book dude she does have a joke book (laughs) you know no you're right though i I think maybe chris and kat some of the stuff you guys are commenting on is gameplay wise this isn't yeah necessarily pushing any boundaries or anything it's just like the best most finely crafted version of kind of long established mechanics Mm -hmm. but I think the reason we keep going back to the relationship between the two characters and is because it is a master class in character development and kind of building up and making video game characters seem real but that's kind of the only argument I I mean I'll let Ellie say it that's it that's all I got also, thank God Ellie can run right in front of enemies and not trigger their awareness while you're trying to be stealthy because that would be it's real bad. <laughs> that drove me insane when I was playing Last of Us when it first came out. My God. Mm. Yeah. Well, so, Maddie, Maddie, I did pick up um, on a sale the remastered version, uh-huh. and I haven't played it yet. But I, I've always wanted to give this a better shake because it, you know, it was like the last PS3 game I think I ever played. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, is anything anything better about the remastered version? Well, I think if you haven't played Left Behind, that's a good way to go back and play that. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think on. Last of Us was pretty significant in the history of the PS4 because we kind of forget now, but Last of Us ended the PS3 generation. And yep. I and yeah, it was like popular and everything and people really enjoyed it. But when the remastered version came out on PS4, it seemed kind of in that moment to become a PS4 game. Yeah. And it was Maybe one of the first really great exclusives on the PS4 from Sony, and it really started to kickstart 
the run of prestige games that really defines Sony in this past generation. Yeah, well, we were talking a few weeks ago, maybe it was last week, about like early years in this generation, Sony's first-party exclusives didn't hit. Like, it was the Order 1886, and it was Drive Killzone Club. 2. Yeah. Or Killzone whatever. Yeah. Order Liberation? Shadow? But then, yeah, yeah. this game... This thing also kicked off another trend that is kind of a hallmark of this generation of remasters, sort yeah. of defining. So, I mean, we had plenty of remasters in the PS3, 360 generation, but I think, like, there was an attitude coming into the PS4 and Xbox Ones, and like, okay, we've already had HD remasters, what more can we do with these games? And they're like, I'll show you! And, yeah, like, a, a lot of... PS2, PS3 remasters became essential things, and I think I still think like, the Shadow of the Colossus remake on PS4 is one of the best things ever. Yeah, but yeah, yes, <laughs> just as essential as The Last of Us. Uh, mm. To me, it is an essential game. If you own a PS4, you have to play this game. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I either got it free or for five dollars. So you you're running out of experience. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty go much. play it. If you haven't yet, go play it before the next generation dawns and you have to play Last of Us 2. And you're like, I don't know who these characters are. I haven't experienced their emotional arc. How can I be invested as a person in this game about killing cultists by shooting them through the throat this with is, a crossbow? Michael is describing me playing PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale 2. <laughs> selecting Ellie. It's coming, by God. Just like our next entry is coming, coming in hot with... Number seven. Welcome, gentlemen, to Aperture Science. Astronauts, war heroes, Olympians, you're here because we want the best. And you are it. So, who is ready to make some science? <laughs> Who's ready? Who's yeah. I love Kate. Ready to make some Kate science. Johnson. <laughs> this is why I was asking if we had some J. Jonah Jameson clips earlier. Because uh, I, wanted, I, see, I see. wanted him to be on two entries because he, he has contributed some of the best comedic voice acting of this generation in two yeah, two yeah but games. just kidding Simmons wasn't in the Spiderman game was, oh I thought he was no he's in the Far From Home though. yeah oh is, is the guy who mm. plays J. Jonah Jameson no oh, I thought that was him damn it yeah, I, I feel like same... he, he should own the character at this point yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. he transcends all franchises yeah, he was my nominee for just the new Stan Lee mm. like if, if we don't have Stan Lee in every movie you should have J. Jonah Jameson in every Marvel yeah. movie he can be in different jobs. Who knows? Yeah. I can't even make a crack about this being the game from what back when Valve still made games because now they're making Half-Life Alex. So True. Portal 2 is ruined for me now. They are technically still making games. But th this came out at a very interesting time. Do you remember what this release date coincided with? No. 9-11. No, I, I, I know it was something. It was the PlayStation um, 3's 9-11. Um, it was when the, Six the PlayStation Network went down for like two weeks. Oh my weeks. god. Because, but informative. Right. Or so I'm told. <laughs> like there was a, a big ass hack, I think in 2011, and it, it basically made it so you could not play PS3 games at all. Like if they had any, any online component, like, no, you're fucked. And Portal 2 came out and was basically unplayable on PS3. And it was like, that was their big, con like their primary console skew because they had announced this big thing. We're like, we're going to put Steam on PS3. And that, as far as I know, never happened. No, it totally did. Did it? it? The Steam had the tools. I mean, it, I know it that there was some Steam integration, kind of but, like, Steam never fully came to PS3. 
Well, no, but it, the point was that it had Steam integration. Mm. Yes. I, I still don't know what that looked like. I just know for years I would log into Steam like, are you a PS3 owner? Click here. Well, like <laughs> anybody yeah. else, I played Portal 2 on, I think, 360, so... Yeah. I that's that's where our review copy came in, and I, I I watched someone play through it, and then I played through it myself, and I don't know. I, I I do feel like part of the reason I did vote for this is because Portal One just barely didn't come out. Because <laughs> I played Portal One over and over oh, again. Yeah, I've always yeah. meant to play this back in full, but it is charming and wonderful. And the the multiplayer, if you've never touched it, I've always meant to go back and do that again because I never finished mm-hmm. it. I think one of the reasons I voted for this is it did everything I loved about Portal 1, which was, you know, very, just an amazing, uh, let's call it a puzzle game, if you will, but it amped it up. And whereas Portal 1 had one kind of uh, antagonist, main antagonist character, um, Portal 2 had, well, three if you count Cave, right? Mm-hmm. But, it, but it did feature the return of certain characters who were just as sarcastic as ever. Sorry about the mess. I've really let the place go since you killed me. By the way, thanks for that. Sarcasm self-test complete. <laughs> so yes, uh, Portal 2 did feature GLaDOS, although she she took a little bit of a different form for a while in, yeah, in yeah, Portal she 2. Did, she did. Hi. So, how are you holding up? Because I'm a potato. Oh, good. My slow clap processor made it into this thing. So we have that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Portal 2, I feel like, was the Arkham City to Portal 1's Arkham Asylum. In that, like, uh, Portal Portal 1 was this very tightly structured, almost indie game. And then Portal 2 was like, no, this is going to be a real adventure. It's going to be a shooter without shooting. And it's going to go beyond puzzle rooms and be a puzzle scape. Where uh, yeah. you can you can do all kinds of new things, and you find out like why can I put portals on some walls but not others? It's because you can only put portals on walls that have been painted with moon dust, which is fantastically expensive. <laughs> but Aperture Science spared no expense in painting all the walls with it. And they even they even have another character that kind of yeah helps kick off that adventure uh, mm-hmm. by springing you loose. Most test subjects do experience some uh, cognitive deterioration after a few months in suspension. Now, you've been under for quite a lot longer, and it's not out of the question that you might have a very minor case of serious brain damage. But don't be alarmed, all right? Uh, although if you do if you do feel alarmed, try to hold on to that feeling, because that is the proper reaction to being told that you've got brain damage. Do you understand what I'm saying at all? Does any of this make any sense? Just tell me. Just say yes. I, I love that they got Stephen Merchant to play Wheatley. Yeah. Right. Just Stephen Merchant emerging from Ricky Gervais's shadow this decade <laughs> yeah. is a wonderful thing. Yeah. And hopefully you can overshadow him in the next one. And, and I love the character of Wheatley, which is like sort of supposed to be this bumbling robot that is the counterpoint to like. So GLaDOS is still clever and just as savage as ever. Whereas Wheatley, well, Wheatley tries. Uh, let's like in this clip. Hey, hi. Up here. I found some bird eggs up here. Just dropped them into the door mechanism. Shut it right down. I, ah! Bird! 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 Okay. That's probably the bird in it that laid the eggs. <laughs> livid. <laughs> livid. Just livid. It's probably really mad. Now, this game, uh, one of the, the other reasons I voted for it is, so humor is very hard in video games, and I think Portal 2 might be the funniest game I've ever played. 
Like it's right mm. up there. Yeah, the voice yeah. acting is really good. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, there's like four voice actors. There is good voice acting in games for sure, but mm-hmm. in my experience, a lot of voice acting kind of sounds well a lot like what you would hear in Last of Us. Uh, it has a tone and tends to be fairly earnest. Whereas this, like, they got, you know, Stephen Merchant and uh, some really fresh kind of sounds. It's not the usual kind of video game voice acting, and it really stands out, I think. Yeah, the only thing I wish is there there would have been more interaction between some of those characters, because they're kind of always just talking directly to you. Mm-hmm. But I do have a clip where, well, one of the characters is really enthusiastic about another one, uh, what another one is saying. And it also showcases that some of the best lines in this game uh, do go to J. Jonah Jameson. When life gives you lemons, don't make lemonade. Make life take the lemons back. Get mad. I don't want your damn lemons. What am I supposed to do with these? Demand to see life's manager. Make life rule the day it thought it could give Cave Johnson lemons. Do you know who I am? I'm the man who's going to burn your house down with the lemons. I'm going to get my engineers to invent a combustible lemon that burns your house down. I was saying wow. the writing is good. It's very good writing. <laughs> but Jay but they, Jonah Jameson saying what we were all thinking about this decade. But there's that extremely like there's an, a very tragic undercurrent to this because what is he reacting to in that clip? He's reacting to finding out he has a terminal illness, uh. and and that's the thing that he gets a terminal illness, and it, like and you're like he's been dead for probably centuries. You're yeah. just hearing all these audio logs and finding out about it. But I I like that. Like I think there's part of this from glean from information hidden in the game, and it was partly fan theories that the the big fan theory around Portal and this might Portal Two is this might be a spoiler, is that you are actually. The daughter you're you're playing as Chell, who who may or may not be the daughter of Cave Johnson and his assistant Carolyn, Carolyn being the personality basis for the Glados AI. So there's this moment when you get to the end of Portal Two, and I think I brought this up like ages ago, and like moments in games that can actually make us cry, and like there's this bit where you're being sent up in this elevator while all these turrets are singing to you in a voice that's very like GLaDOS's. And it's kind of like this moment, like your mother is saying goodbye and sending you off into the world and you're never going to see each other again. And by the way, please stay away from science. Uh, (laughs) You're very destructive. You're a lunatic. Fuck off. Yeah. No, the other thing um, you're talking about, like cave and, and yeah, the, how kind of the aperture corp just sort of stayed frozen in time. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things about this game as someone who, I mean, I didn't grow up in the 70s. I was born at the very end of the 70s but and grew up in the 80s. But this game mm-hmm. has that, like, total late 70s vibe with even, like, the aperture of the old logos and stuff like that. Yeah. I love it. I, I almost wish that instead of moon dust walls, they'd gone with, like, oh, just the, the portals stick to wood paneling. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, those old offices, when you discover, like, the old aperture offices, it's, like, wood paneling as far as the eye can see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I loved this game. Uh, it was unfortunate that it coincided with a hack that basically brought down PlayStation for a couple weeks. But uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't even notice because like I played this game single player, so what do I care? I did too. But it, it, like, well, that's the thing. If you haven't played the multiplayer, like those were the two characters in all the promotional material, and there's like an another Portal campaign 
not so much with story, but with a little bit of the quirks in the multiplayer. Oh, I think I remember what it was. It was it was something like because you couldn't play the single player on PS3, but it mm. was uh, it might have been something like it needed an update to work. <sighs> <laughs> and if you like, you couldn't connect. You couldn't get the update, so you couldn't. Play Could you it. imagine that happening today? No, people would lose their minds. People did lose their minds, but it was like we didn't have social media to the degree that we did today. I, I mean, this is like sort of a harbinger of things to come for this generation. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it definitely belongs on this list because that that does happen nowadays. Every once in a while, it's like um. Well, you know this, cat, because you get, like, early review copies of things. It's like, yeah, there's kind of a bug that we're not fixing until the thing comes out, so uh, sorry a, a about that. A bug in one game is one thing. Uh, Hope you like that day one download. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good luck getting that review up. Uh, but it's not like, well, your system won't work until you get this download and now we yeah, but the good fine. news is that there's a day one patch mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you have the internet right you're not some kind of savage yeah <laughs> my friend my friend posted a comic today that's just like oh man i finally have a free hour to play a video game i can't wait i'm just gonna sit here and play this for 10 minutes and then this giant thing with the, across its back it says 40 gigabyte update just gets up and punches him in the face mm-hmm. and walks away <laughs> oops yeah Vidge games Vidge games but is this one of, is this one of valve's free games promoting Half-Life? I, or is it just Half-Life? I think, I, I think every once in a while they, they have had it for free. Uh, but it's, Yeah, it shouldn't cost you shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's been free at turns. They should just give it away with every copy of Steam. I mean, if we didn't say that, every every version of Half-Life is free on Steam to promote Alex. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Mm. Would you huh. say mm-hmm. that Portal 1 or Portal 2 is better? Portal. Well, if I were to recommend I, I, it to someone, I would say Portal One, just because that is it, it's very short and easy to understand, and it's very efficient with its gags. And then if you liked Portal One, you'll love Portal Two. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Portal One is more iconic, but Portal Two is the better game. Mm. Yeah, I haven't yeah, I haven't gone back be. to play Portal One, um, but d- I felt like Portal Two did everything yeah. Portal One did well, and just put it on steroids so i'd yeah. say yeah if, and, if you're playing both p- play two and we've mentioned the co-op but the co-op is not just single player with two players it is like an a whole other game so if you yeah. haven't played co-op you haven't really played it's it's sort of like getting portal 2 and 3 in one package mm-hmm. which would be the first time that a valve game reached number three <laughs> hey <hi-yo. laughs> uh. Uh, well anyway let's move along to Number six. Afghanistan is a big place. I expect you'll become quite familiar with those binoculars as you plan your next move. How and where you make it, well, that's up to you. From here on out, you're on your own. I wonder how many of the games on this list feature Troy Baker in some very prominent (laughs) way. (laughs) Like a lot. (laughs) Yeah, he's everywhere. Thanks for these binoculars. Nolan North is in Portal 2. That's true. Sure he that. was in Portal 2. Uh, he's in space. <laughs> I'm in space! I never talked about that. That was one of the best <laughs> gags. But uh, this is not Portal 2. This is which game? Metal Gear. Solid 5. five. The Phantom Pain. Uh, not to be confused with Metal Gear Solid 5 Ground Zeroes. Or, as I like to call it, the demo that you pay for. <laughs> pay $30 <laughs> for, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know anybody else like this game. I fucking love it. This me. is this might be one of my for a while during this generation. I said this was my favorite game of the generation. Things have since mm. passed it, and looking back, you know. But uh, this game's great. Yeah. I just wish there was a cohesive third act. 
This was one of those games that uh, this is going to sound strange to say, but like it's one of a handful of games that I've played this generation where it's like, I feel like I'm living inside this and not, not like, Oh, I'm going into the game I'm experiencing, but like, this is like a home away from home where I'm just spending a lot of time in this game. I'm building up my base. I'm uh, flying around on this helicopter. I feel like I have a presence in this mm. world. I did think it was weird when you sent Kiefer Sutherland a Christmas card. Uh-huh. He was like, uh. I feel like we know each other so well by this point. <laughs> through, through tape-recorded messages. <laughs> we spent so much time together. I still say – people would always say like, oh, he's barely in the game. I'm like, you have not listened to those tapes then. Like mm-hmm. he, there's hundreds of hours of Kiefer in this game. Yeah. So the the weird thing that Metal Gear has been doing like this and Revengeance, like they got rid of the hours-long codec conversations and put all of that stuff into like tapes or audio logs that you can experience just behind the scenes. Like, While playing, and that's the yeah. key. They don't they don't freeze yeah. you up. Yeah. Like you've got your, your Walkman, so you can either listen to some cool audio logs or you can just find... Eight tapes by 80s bands, so listen to uh, Love Will Tear Us Apart as you're uh, hoofing it through a big open field that's, uh, you know, rain in the desert while you approach a, an airport full of guys you're going to shoot with trank darts. Or oh. play it blaring out of your helicopter so you completely confuse them when you're yeah. landing on the battlefield. If, you, if you're on PC, you can upload your own music into it so you can have X-Gun give it to you even though it's in the 80s. <laughs> X was. The review event for this game was a hell of a thing because they locked journalists in Kojima Productions for 12 hours oh, a day would. until they beat it. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. I was one of those journalists. I'm sorry. Really? <laughs> I'm totally blanked out. I don't remember those days at all. They, they I just lost them. They Fultoned you out of your normal offices and you <laughs> landed in Kojima Project Productions. I really did enjoy actually finding the soldiers and putting the, what was it called? The Fulton device? Yes. The Fulton. Fulton. Yes. And if you guys are yes, wondering. and just. And eventually leveling it up to the point that you could steal vehicles and things. Yeah. Well, if you guys are wondering, Cat, S-rank journalist. Mm-hmm. She got that S-rank baby. <laughs> Fulton Damn Cat. right. Put her Woo. in R&D. <laughs> <laughs> I will say for Metal Gear Solid Five. Um, so it is also on our top 100 games of the decade list, which nice. should be out on US Gamer right now. Woo. So it's 98, right? <laughs> uh, it's in the 90s, I think. Oh, actually. man. <laughs> 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 it literally is. Like, uh, actually, it wasn't going to be on the list. It was going to be like an honorable mention, but <sighs> finally we stumped for it. But um, mm. I think that it's probably one of the best stealth games ever made. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. I think <laughs> in terms of gameplay, it's easily my favorite Metal Gear. And it's like trying to go back to Metal Gear Solid 3 or 4 after playing this is a little bit difficult. Like, I, I feel like it's an. A very well-built open-world game where you can adapt quickly to different situations, and uh, it, it, it adapts itself well to a bunch of different gameplay styles, and there's stuff that you might make th- your way through the entire game without ever finding, like, did you know that you can upgrade your prosthetic arm to the point where you can do, like, a remote-controlled rocket punch? Yes. And that is how I took out dudes from afar <laughs> at the end of that game, almost exclusively. Mm-hmm. It's way more really? fun. Really? It's super That's powerful. So cool. Yeah. yeah, it basically yeah you it you it becomes like a drone. You just steer it, and it's instant. If you can connect, it's instant knockout punch. And it's just like having, it's like having the sleeping darts, but you can go around corners and all kinds of cool oh, shit. Nice. As long as yeah, as long as you know that it's it's a bit like in Hitman, the briefcase that just chases people around the map. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, you need that. <laughs> no, it's it's really cool. Um, you talk about like evolving stealth, though. So there's all kinds of stuff that like yeah, they don't tell you that you just learn. So this game even has a thing where if you are like in because it takes place a lot in the desert. We heard Afghanistan mm-hmm. there. Like if they are outside in the bright sunlight and you are like inside in the dark. They won't be able to see you, obviously, but then when they come into the room, like, their eyes will be adjusting. There's a while there where you kind of have a few seconds you can do anything you want because they won't be able to see you. Mm-hmm. Like, it it has logic. Just like in, was it solid one or two? You can, the ice cubes actually melt. Like, it does a lot of that stuff, but it's like, well, this relates to gameplay mm-hmm. in this game. I remember doing that with you in Solid 2, where, like, you, you would come in from outside and you would walk into a room and it would be like really dark for a second yeah. and then it would adjust and you could see better but, yeah yeah they think about these things it's mm-hmm. really cool mm-hmm. so yeah that that moment when their eyes are adjusting you can do anything you can take your pants off you can steal their sandwich out of the office hey. fridge it's great hey. <laughs> you can you can blare one of those 80s songs on their uh portable pl- cassette player mm-hmm. and really confuse them yeah, yeah there are a lot of cool things in this game that people have largely forgotten about mm-hmm. like Everybody trying to disarm the world of nukes. Ah, yeah. That was such a cool metagame. It, it was. And then the, the, the ending for that unlocked, even though they hadn't completely disarmed everybody. And that, that was like when you made it to the end of the game, you could uh, decide. I thought that was data mined. Maybe? That was the thing. I don't know. But it might have unlocked early. But, but yeah, I remember that, that there was the, the multiplayer aspect where you could you made it to a certain point in the game and you could decide, like, do you want to make outer heaven a nuclear power do you want to have a nuke and you could or you could decide no i will not i will not contribute to nuclear armament and their goal was to get everyone like you you could have it and it would be like a trump card to play against other players but if you got rid of it then like if if everybody gets rid of their nukes then we'll have this disarmament cutscene that I think unlocked a few months after the game was out. Well, the players never actually let it unlock because, Mm -hmm. of course, why would they? It's the ultimate troll. Like, if even one guy holds out and has nukes on his base, no one's going to get the cool thing. I think it took more than months. I want to say it was like a year past the release. They're like, fine, here's that cutscene. And and if you ever play this on your birthday, they will treat you to a happy birthday. I thought the final, I think it was like one of the final missions is where uh, you have to go through your base killing everybody that you've like worked with over time well, and they're all singing. Yeah, it's be- That's a haunting final mission. Yeah, it's because there's so there's a not to spoil too much but there is a an infection that spreads across your base. The this uh these parasites become lethal and you can see who's infected and who's not so you and the there's no cure. The only way to keep the the disease from spreading is to kill those afflicted. And, well, I think it's because yet, when you talk it activates the disease, right? Like that's how something the, like that. The parasites attach to vocal cords and that's how it spreads. It's so, like so, one of the characters is like they they'll never speak English because of that. Yes, yes. Um because if they ever speak English it'll trigger it. But yes, there's that that very haunting moment where 
your your guys are scared out of their minds and they all just like stand there and salute you while you gun them down one after the other and it's just it's it weighs on you. Yeah, well, part especially of it, because you've gotten to know them over time, you've probably brought them on missions and such. Yeah, yeah, and and like there is a lot of I, I'll use the word the phrase ludonarrative dissonance here again because as uh, as exuberant and fun as the gameplay is, there's a very big melancholy tone to this game. Why are we still here? Just to suffer every night. My leg, my arm, even my fingers. The body I've lost, the comrades I've lost, won't stop hurting. It's like they're all still there. You feel it too, don't you? Okay, give him credit for the restraint shown to not say the name of the game in those lines because he's literally referring to Phantom Pain uh-huh. and it is very un-Kojima-like that he didn't say, you know, like a Phantom Pain. Yeah. Like a Metal Gear Solid <laughs> 5. <laughs> I feel the, the shrapnel. I feel the shrapnel in my arm. It's like a Metal Gear. <laughs> it's a solid piece of shrapnel. With distinct toothy spokes. <laughs> like some sort of Metal Gear. Uh, what but- do you think about this singing bass man? <laughs> oh, wait, that's Death Stranding when he gives them those <laughs> yeah, names. Right, right. Um, but uh, even though I just played that very, like, oh, that emotionally fraught uh, line by uh, from Kazuhira Miller, he also has one of the funniest bits in, I think, any game of the past 10 years. And it is a series of audio logs called The Hamburgers of Kazuhira Miller. And if you haven't listened to this, I hope this will be a treat. Will you permit me to rest? Have something to eat? I thought you don't eat. I can subsist without food. But there is more to the act of eating than nourishment. We receive nature's blessings and we affirm our part in it. And in doing so, we express our gratitude. <laughs> Sorry, it's um, hearing you say you don't need to eat and that you're a part of nature in the same breath. Anyway, uh, what can we get you? Not exactly a five-star restaurant, but the kitchen's used to serving a lot of different appetites. Hamburgers. Uh, hamburgers? So I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. The character he's talking to, Code Talker, is this like hundred something year old man <laughs> who is like a, a a World War II vet. He's a Navajo, and he always talks like this. And he has like some sort of symbiosis with these vocal parasites, where he like he can photosynthesize. He doesn't actually need to eat, but he likes to eat hamburgers, and so begins this back and forth where Kazuhira Miller. Try, that your second in command at this mil- this mercenary unit <laughs> does his damnedest to impress this old man by making the perfect hamburger. But he does not hold a candle to what I ate back home. <sighs> Everyone's a critic. <sighs> Damn it! I'm sure the Kobe beef, but maybe we didn't have enough. <sighs> we had any more? We're cutting into our profits. Profits. We'll be taking a loss on every unit. Mm, What are you talking about? 
Huh? Oh, uh, anyway, I'll be back with another round of product. <laughs> and it escalates. I call it the chemical burger. What on earth is that color? Uh, it's super gross, but as it turns out... Well, what do you think? It's... 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 It is perfect. <laughs> and I should add, this whole... Well, these conversations are like the most Metal Gear making fun of its own Metal Gear-ass shit imaginable. I, Dude... I love that hamburgers cause they they cause Kaz to break bad. Like this is his breaking bad. He's giving you the purest shit, he's, man. He's finding the purest formula, and there's like all this overwrought dialogue about like hamburgers are the symbol of capitalism, but capitalism destroyed the Diné people, and and all this stuff, and it just escalates to this. And it doesn't just taste great. You won't believe how cheap it is to make, and because it's pumped up with preservatives. It won't spoil easily in regions lacking refrigerated storage or transportation infrastructure. This bad boy could even solve Africa's hunger problem. Excuse me. People will no longer fight over food or find reason to hate one another. Mankind will come together, reunited between these fluffy buns. Forget <laughs> Pax Americana. Say hello to Pax Hamburgana. Pax Hamburgana. Who knew that McDonald's was the solution to world's peace? <laughs> a localizer definitely wrote those words, and <laughs> we're sitting in a, a sound booth, and we're just like, no, you gotta say it real slowly. Pax Hamburgana. <laughs> That's the next Pax. You know how Pax was expanding for a while? There's yeah. Pax Tabletop, Pax Australia, yeah. Pax Hamburgana. Well, hey, Repop is our, is our parent company, so make sure it's make suggested it to them. Yeah, make it happen. It could be in, in Amberg, Germany. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, perfect. <laughs> we got, already got a pat. We already got a e EGX Berlin Pax Hamburgana. Mm -hmm. Perfect. There you go. Perfect. perfect. You can have that idea free of charge. Yeah. <laughs> you know what else you can have for free? Uh, our actual top five games of the decade, which we will tackle after a short break. So stay tuned. Everyone else has had more sex than me. Ooh. Everyone else has had more sex than me. Does anyone else get that feeling? Teenagers naked, couple in threes, grandparents swing from the Let's get scratching. This week on Laser Time, the internet's seventh leading pop culture podcast, the gang is tackling a brand new topic. We're in the twenties now. We have we have games from the twenties on the NES. Um. Popeye. That is Popeye. Popeye, uh, which we discussed on an earlier episode. Like I wouldn't call Nintendo's mascot, but they like be. before Mario existed, like. No character was more associated with Nintendo than Popeye if you were living in Japan. It's a, a 1960s ramen deal. It's, it's the first Nintendo licensing deal. It's the first big game. It's the first. It's a big game and watch. It's puzzles. Like Nintendo made a ton of Popeye shit. 
And if Popeye, <laughs> never get tired of saying this, if Popeye's licensors hadn't been pricks, we might not have had Donkey Kong in Mario. <laughs> and that would be like, uh, that's 56 years of difference. So that would be like right now on the Nintendo Switch, uh, Sword in the Stone game came out and on Xbox One, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. <laughs> which I said, I said, gotta again, be a VR game. I wrote that, I wrote that down. Like, why would that be bad? Yeah. Why would a Birds game be a bad? A VR Birds game would be awesome. I would love to be trapped in the phone booth while I'm trapped, like, with just birds <laughs> smashing in. That's too big. Uh. That's actually from The Simpsons, and I haven't seen The Birds, and I haven't read it. <laughs> That's Laser Time. New every Monday on LazerTimePodcast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And welcome back to our final segment where we will count down our top five games of the decade, beginning with number five. Look, man, it's been a real honor, homie, but I got to move forward in my life. It seems like all I do is let people tell me what to do and I do it and nothing changes. I tell you what, my boy, you tell me exactly what you want and I will very carefully explain to you why it cannot be. What? (laughs) (laughs) But, GTA you know, 5. Doing what people tell you is pretty much most of what you do in Grand Theft Auto yeah. 5. Um, most of what you do, you must finish the campaigns of those and games. And then I go hang out at the strip club. Yeah, I just do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> never never beat them. That's true. That's that's the way to go. And apparently Grand Theft Auto Online is much more conducive to something like that. Nice. Grand Theft Auto oh. Online is friggin' huge! Now, this one yeah. I finished. This, this is the first yeah. time I'd finished a ca- uh, Grand Theft Auto campaign since... City, maybe? Mm-hmm. Uh, not counting the handheld stuff. Yeah. I finished those. And if you want to talk about a game that bridges that generation gap between the 360 and the, the current generation, like, Grand Theft Auto V came out in, what, like 2013? Yeah. And uh, PlayStation 4, Xbox One came out that fall, and, like, Grand Theft Auto V, four of those systems came out, like, in the next year or two after that and introduce like first person mode yeah. video recording mode the which has only previously version. been in yeah in yeah PC it was a versions. super version of those games yeah it was like with last of us like yeah. Uh, yeah it came out on the ps3 and 360 who remembers it came out on the ps3 and 360 nobody that's uh, who that was one of the last launch lines i was in for in like 2013 <laughs> dang uh, for my 360, and I had to, and I and I had to buy a new 360 to play it, and I was just fucking hitting myself because, uh, yeah, my 360 decided to break like four months before the one came out. Hmm. I bought like three 360s, no joke, and it was within like the last year of its life too. Yikes! Yep. Mm-hmm. I returned mine for red ringing three times, but I didn't. I only bought it the once. I had an elite too, like I had oh, the new the one, still That's broke. Right. Oh, it was the, the damn tray. That was the first uh, movie. My, yeah, mine was my disc tray. It was just, they wouldn't fix it. They wouldn't fix it for free. What was I going to do? Go fuck yourself. I also ate one of my game discs, too. It was oh. terrible. That might be one of the times where I actually replaced the DVD drive in that thing, mm. like, like the tray, because, yeah, the motor gave out on me or something like that, and I just found an aftermarket. I found which one you had to use and all that stuff. But. Would it surprise you to learn that I consider GTA V to be the zenith of the GTA oh, series? Oh, goodness. Wait, the Zenith, the worst? Is that what we're saying? Oh, yeah. I really hate this game. Oh, really? You hate? Wow, okay. I had to straight up stop playing it because I hated the cast so much. Really? They're terrible. Look, the the game is very effective in establishing these terrible people who (laughs) I do not want to spend hundreds of hours playing as. I don't want to be the, the jackass from Beverly Hills with the terrible model mom. I don't want to be the kid with, um... What, what, Compton or whatever? 
and I don't want to be the psychopath. I don't want to be any of them. You don't want to be the guy who they're talking about in this clip. What is wrong with you? Davey! Long time no see. And what about Trevor? If that fruitcake realizes, no, no, finds out you're alive, you are D-O-N-E fucked! Don't worry about Trevor. Trevor's dead. It's gotta be. Besides, I didn't have nothing to do with it. Look, I I can get, like, not liking Trevor or Michael Mm -hmm. because they're pretty unlikable. But Franklin is a saint that never did anything wrong to anyone (laughs) until I controlled Franklin. I feel bad for him, mostly. He was the only one I would play as. But at a certain point, you have to play as Trevor and all that because they're part of the story. But but Franklin is the kid who gets sucked into Michael and Trevor's bullshit. Yeah. And can't escape. And Trevor, I... I like because uh, the, the actor Stephen Ogg, I think, yeah, he, like he's he's a funny guy, and uh, he he does creepy really well, and he does it really really well yeah. in this, probably too well. Uh, he's kind of gross, but he he's like the amoral psychopath that like Claude was in GTA Three. This like, goes beyond creepy to to disturbed. Like he he mm. he plays disturbed very convincingly. Like this, you mean? Johnny ain't gonna be cool if you mess him with her again. Oh, really? Well, you don't think so, huh? Well, why don't we just ask him then, huh? Hey, hey, cowboy, you mind that I fucked your old lady? Sorry, what was that? Well, no, 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 you don't mind? Oh, because you're a dead man? And the only sentient party I left is this little bit of brain and the gristle on the end of my boot? Well, thank you very much, cowboy. Bullshit! Oh, I like it, denial! That is first part of the grieving process, brothers. Now let's all hold hands, huh? (laughs) I I, I like this character so much, and I've said it a billion times on this show, but uh, Trevor allowed you to do the things in GTA that the media was always accusing GTA of doing, even though they never did it. Mm -hmm. And and I'm finally glad he could do that. This is the first time... After a role in a video game, I saw this dude like pop up everywhere. Yeah. He yeah. was in Broad City. He was on Westworld. Yeah. So against he was getting evil. actual acting roles. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. This led to great things. He was at Sketchfest a couple years ago. But it was weird because he looks Fest. like Trevor. Like they, yes. they modeled Trevor after Yes, him. It's, it's terrifying <laughs> meeting him in real life. Yeah, and I, I swear, like I was in the, in the back room and I'm like just staring at him and I could kind of tell like he knows what's up. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm recognizing a video game character in front of me, which shouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah. The five I thought was great. I love the trick they pulled. It's for the first time they, they gave you the three protagonists that you could switch through mm-hmm. sort of at any time. To, you know, some story Very clever idea, in. I gotta yeah. say. Works but, well. But, like, you know, I, I have to say also, agreeing with Cat a little bit, like, I love Grand Theft Auto. Um, Grand Theft Auto V is not my favorite in the series, but it is the only one that came out this decade. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's well, yeah. crazy to me because they 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 came out it, on, they on make 360. so much money off GTA they, Online. They, yeah, they come exactly. out and make a billion dollars per game. Like, you know. re- remember originally they were gonna like we're gonna put out story based DLC, single player stuff. They never did that. They put out yeah. story based GTA Online DLC. I think that's just such a huge bummer. Mm-hmm. That because the GTA Four like DLC was really good. It was. It was arguably better than the main game, especially Ballad oh, of Gay Tony. Oh, much better. Yeah, but I think the thing with story based DLC is it's very expensive to make because making cinematics is like one of the most expensive parts of game development. And they're like, well, we can take those team members and either have them do that, and yeah, it'll mm-hmm. pay off eventually. Or we can just put them on this online thing and make money now and put out Look, a ton of content. I get it. I get it. 
my naivete is speaking, I get it. You're supposed to be making money and all that, but maybe video games can also be a thing where, you know, there's a bit of a cinematic flair to it. It's not all about how much microtransactions you sell and that kind of thing. So I think it's a genuine bummer that, yeah, okay, GTA Online makes more money, whatever, Mm. but you're sacrificing legit great expansion, legit great solo content. Yeah. I, I hate I hate to say it, but like, uh, remember I said recently I downloaded it's it's on Game Pass on Xbox, um, so you can download it for free. Mm-hmm. I tried it. I was I was legitimately taken aback by how many quality of life improvements are in the game at this point. All these things that were supposed to be PC only that now have found their way into the console versions, even the uh, film editor, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, I I did that because I I want to know what's going on in GTA Online. <laughs> It looks interesting enough now. I really want to check it out. You want to see how the normies oh, yeah, live? Yeah, it was terrible to start. Now it's like good. Yeah, question mark? Oh yeah, I, I remember the the opening. Oh man, my first couple days with that thing was just like, and wow, it takes like three minutes to load, spawn, and then like it's a race of cars to come and kill me with real people's gamer tags over them, <laughs> and I just die immediately. So you want to see what every single one of my Uber drivers for the past five E3s has been playing all this time? How did you? Yeah. T- I've had the same experience. Yeah, all my a lot of my Uber drivers and the, the guys who worked in the pizza shop below me in San Francisco, they were all rocking this game all the time. And then if you look at enough trailers, like, oh, fuck, like these stunt races look awesome. Uh, I, I want to try this out. Yeah, the heist. The heists are really what it looked. The heist, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's my other problem. Was that when I was playing? So I really liked San Andreas. I thought CJ was a great uh, main character. Fantastic. And I, I need thought that to myself, shit you drive. hey, I really like San Andreas. So I was really excited when San Andreas came back for GTA Five. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that I don't actually like LA that much. Sorry, people who are <laughs> from LA who are listening. <clears> to <throat> But I feel like GTA Five, like it, it was able to capture LA in so much detail like all the ugliness all the the cool stuff like 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 you were saying earlier like once upon a time in Hollywood is a little bit like GTA 5 as a movie where it's just like this pornographic recreation of Los Angeles oh, yeah. it's of. incredibly well done and yet that's exactly like one of the reasons that I don't like it is because mm. I'm like man I I want to go to LA in real life it's not okay LA native here, raising my hand. It's not, and you, but it doesn't. It does a good job of approximating what people think LA is like, you know. And they capture certain aspects of LA, like yeah, they capture the fact that LA is surrounded by deserts. You've never really seen a lot of that in the video game before, and it does a good job of that. But it's, I, I don't know. It's I get annoyed when people are like, oh, it's just like LA. I'm like, it's no, no it's nothing like. It. Well, so yeah, can, for one thing, you can actually drive in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did that in L.A. Noir. Thank you very much. <laughs> and you can go out to sea and fight sharks, which is something that I think a lot of people always wanted in GTA and never never came about. And you can have a submarine, even though it's a really slow, realistic oh, one. Yeah. And you can find UFOs buried out in the ocean. That's kind of cool. Oh, dude, the online conspiracy theories about all the symbolism in this game, the alien stuff mm-hmm. in particular... It's so awesome. It's been going on for so long now. It's just like everyone's like, oh, the aliens are coming. Finally, they're unlocking that event. That does remind me. I do. I think they cut out the new version cuts out a lot of the original music. Mm. And that's what I noticed. Well, I remember that that happened with GTA 4, too, where they like had an update. It's like we're taking out a bunch of these songs from the uh, Vladivostok radio station. And like, well, that sucks. 
That's that's one of the pitfalls of of live gaming, I guess. But uh, but it, you know what? It's better than not being able to buy the game or play it completely because of those true. licenses. That's so I'd, I'd rather have them yank it out than than not be able to access you it. You play enough Grand Theft Auto, like I, you have to get to a point where like, well, this fucking radio shut off. I hate all these songs. <laughs> I mean, all I listen to is the Laszlo talk radio stuff anyway. So mm-hmm. what do I care? Yeah, yeah. Can you not turn off the radio? You I can. think you can, but, yeah. But in the beginning, I, I fucking love it. I love driving around as fast as I can with the cinematic camera, uh, making my own little yeah. music videos. Hell yeah. It's fun. And I, I, again, I, on the Xbox One X, it, like, it's, it runs so beautifully. It is a, a, a noticeable improvement. Uh, hey, that's over. the thing. It's like I can't deny that this is a beautifully well-made game, like meticulously recreated and all of that stuff. It's just a personal preference. I don't mm. like it. No, I, I understand what you're saying. But like, I love that ability to switch between characters, mostly for like what happens when you switch characters. Like, It just oh, draws you up in the, the sky. Heist. The heights are awesome. The heights are so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. When they draw you up in the sky, but every time you jump into someone else's body, they seem to have been living a life without you. Yeah, it does a little intro cut scenes always. Trevor's always waking up in the middle of the desert in his underwear. Mm-hmm. I just did one where where, where uh, Franklin is just like shoves this cop and like fuck off, man! Like, what? <laughs> what happened here? Okay, that's not realistic. If that happened in L.A., Franklin would not be around very long. Yeah, never in Strawberry. That would never happen in Strawberry. Uh, but yeah, no, it's um, you were talking about how beautiful this game is, and I think that's noteworthy because the GTA games have always been very big, but I would never call them beautiful for their time. Like they're they're, and we we kind of gave them a pass visually with certain things because we're like, well, yeah, this game's doing so much and it's this giant world and there's so much content in here. But You like- can't articulate fingers in a world this big. <laughs> well, we can have a penis. You're absolutely right. I've played a ton of open world games since then. None of them look this good at all. The game's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I, has anyone here played it on PC? A little bit. Because I hear that's sort of the way to play it. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to be the best looking version mm-hmm. always. Yeah, absolutely. And always be updated. Um, this game also uh, is interesting for sparking like one of the early controversies of, of this decade in terms of video games. In that there was a fairly gruesome torture scene that you have to participate oh. in as Trevor. And I think most people didn't really like it, but it was trying to make a point that I want to explore for a second. The media and the government would have us believe that torture is some necessary thing. We need it to get information, to assert ourselves. Did we get any information out of you? I would have told you everything. Exactly. Tortures for the torturer, or the guy giving the order to the torturer. You torture for the good times. We should all admit that. It's useless as a means of getting information. I'm feeling lightheaded. Sometimes you torture for the torturee, but only if they're prepared to pay. I am very unwell. It's me, 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 me with you. The thing with the torture scene, like, I feel like... Something like every time someone says like, oh, the next one should be in London, the next one should be in Tokyo. Like what you need to understand about Grand Theft Auto is that it is a satire of America's violent pop culture as written by a couple of Scotsmen. And I feel like this was also just like them kind of losing their patience and saying, fuck you, America. You think torture is something you can turn a blind eye to if your democratic government is doing it? Uh, no, we're, we're going to shove your face in it. You're going to have to go through this whether you like it or not. 
Yeah, but probably the people criticizing it uh, were yeah. liberal people that are usually in the Bay Area. Fair point. And we don't turn a blind eye. To, we yeah. were fucking like, no, we should not be torturing. So yeah. it's like, yeah, point taken, motherfuckers. But, but they, we're they might on also your side. be saying, like, we want you to do more. Do yeah. more. <laughs> if you don't mind me saying, I think that's a perfect example of how on the nose GTA Five always is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the times that I bounced off it was the whole thing where you have to put the bomb on the cell phone in the cell phone mm-hmm. and blow up uh, Steve Jobs or whatever. Right. You, mean, you mean at Life Invader? Yeah. yeah. You want to talk about on the nose? I'm just like, this is so stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just quit. You know? And, like, that that whole sequence was very well acted and, and everything, but yeah, like, man, just get out a sledgehammer and hit the labor to the point a little bit more jeez in the kneecap no well it's it's on the nose except that clearly was not Lindsay lohan as we know because that case fell apart in a court of law <laughs> so that went on for years <laughs> i think years. it was just resolved like last year or oh something my God. Dude, it was yeah it was bad is that from san andreas no, no. that's from gta 5 yeah okay it was Lindsay lohan saying either variously that like the bikini girl on the cover or, or like the the one of the cover girls was based on her and then also that there was a character who was based on her, who you like, you're doing like a paparazzi mission as Franklin, I think, and yeah. spying on her, having sex at a hotel. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's a star. There's a bunch of starlet missions, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Oh, that's me." And it's like, first of all, how unflattering are you being to yourself that you're saying that's you? <laughs> like, you at uh, least you're self-aware. Uh, and second of all, it's 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 any starlet, even if it is, it's a parody. Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They can get away with it. Yeah. See, I just played that part, and they're literally talking about the Nickelodeon shows they're on. So, <laughs> hey, girl, you were you were in a movie. You weren't in Nickelodeon shows. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Not you. Mm-hmm. I just want to point out this is the fourth out of six game we've talked about that's been open world. Yeah. Which is not like you, like me going, oh, I'm judging the list. I'm just saying, open world games were hella popular this decade, mm-hmm. weren't they? Look, yeah. Kat, we got a type, all right? It's fine. <laughs> Especially with us. <laughs> We're big open world fans around here, especially me. <laughs> I like to stretch my entertainment dollar. If you yeah, will. well, anyway, on that note, let's move along to what's probably another open world. Number four. Hmm? Oh, sorry. I was playing this fascinating human game, Solitaire. Did you need something? It's Solitaire. Uh, number it's four. Solitaire. Yeah. yeah. This is Thank Solitaire is, is, is our choice. Yeah. It's a game of the decade. Solitaire. Game of the decade. For the, wow. Solitaire. For the, for the tenth decade in a row. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's only been around a hundred years. I could get behind Solitaire over GTA V. <laughs> it's not Solitaire. Any other guesses Aww. what this game is? Maybe if you play the next clip, it'll... Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe this will... I don't get the complaints about the Grim Terminus Alliance games. So what if you can capture and beat slaves? It's just a game. You know anyone who plays that extranet game, Third Coil? <laughs> Me neither. You sure hear about it a lot in the news, though. Those Asari Hanar porn games they sell in Shinakiba are really nasty. I wish they still made role-playing games like they used to. These days, it's all big choices and visceral combat. I miss those old games where you had to remember to drink water, and it took five hours real time to fly somewhere. Do you think they're feeling a little bitter in doing that? (laughs) This is, I I love, so this is Bioware taking the piss out of a lot of, if if you sound anything like a a lot of those complaints that gentleman had, they're making fun Mm -hmm. of you as a gamer. Um, Cough, cough, cough. Yeah, no, I never made those come. 
those complaints ever in my life. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, know, I know Third Coil is Second Life, but uh, the others escape me a little bit. I, I've built an entire friggin' podcast around complaining about games that don't force you to drink water every five hours or whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, this this clip is going to... I mean, we I think you guys know what it is, but this will definitely give it away for you now. I'm sorry. I know that was important, but you performed Gilbert and Sullivan? I am the very model of a scientist salarian. I've studied species Turian, Asari, and Batarian. I'm quite good at genetics as a subset of biology because I am an expert, which I know is a tautology. My xenoscience studies range from urban to agrarian. I am the very model of a scientist solarian. I just want to say you you chose to focus on some strange things when you grab these sounds. I now. was trying to throw you. Uh, so, uh-huh. so of course, this is Mass Effect 2. And uh, the stuff I was playing you was it's a part of the space station you go to where there's a game shop. And, and it, it's supposed to be like a game stop. And that is a clerk you're talking to. And the reason I know it's supposed to be like game stop, well, how about this? Do you have any games you'd like to trade in? You get two credits toward a new game. For 10 credits, we offer data protection for any game we sell. If the copy protection ever malfunctions, you can download a new copy free. Oh, boy. Well, as a Fox News reporter, I'm very much looking forward to using my sex box to play (laughs) Ass Effect 2. Yes, this is Mass Effect 2. Uh, Yes. Uh, But this, to me, out of the Mass Effect games, and I think it... For most people, they, they generally regard this as kind of like the peak entry in that it's series. It's difficult to know to figure out why, though. Like, uh, I, I, but I feel the same way. I spend a lot of time in Mass Effect 3's multiplayer, mm-hmm. whether I'm confident admitting that or not. But, uh, but there was just something about two, just the end, and, and, and your relationship with the characters, and uh, leading up to that, what really was a good finale, whether a third one came out or not. I think one of the reasons is this game did a trick that a lot of movies pull. It it does the getting the band back together trick. Because if you guys remember, the way this game starts is your spaceship gets blown up and you die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the smoking man and, and Cerebus, Cerberus bring you back to life. The elusive man. The elusive man. Well, I, Not, yeah, the smoking man is from X-Files. But he's inspired by it. He smokes cigarettes as well. Oh, and it's played right. by Martin Sheen. And mm-hmm. and, and he, it's clearly a reference to X-Files. Who but yeah. also smokes cigarettes, yeah, probably. He, he, yes, yeah. Well, he did in, uh, in the, the West Wing. West Wing, yeah. I was going to say anyway. Apocalypse Now, but yes. But no, in, in, so most of this game is you reassembling your team from the first game. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of it was, is that team could vary depending on the choices you made in that first game. Although for most people, well, I kind of think this was always part of their team. Shepard. I thought you were dead. Garrus, what are you doing here? Just keeping my skill sharp. A little target practice. I can't wait to romance your weird insect-like body. (laughs) Bird, bird, insect. Uh, Garrus, fan favorite Garrus that everyone loves, and yes, many want to romance, is, mm-hmm. is always kind of, yeah, core of your team. Um, and I think in the second one, he was going by Archangel. There's like a mission where you're like, this Archangel is this, mm-hmm. is this he's vigilante. Just, yeah. He's taking on all the mercenaries, and, and you, you go and you, you 
fight alongside Archangel, and then it reve- when when you get the big reveal that it's Garrus, it's a kind of a big moment. You're like, oh, this is like the core and the heart and soul of my team, Garrus. Mm-hmm. He's back, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, the other reason I think um, I can kiss him. So so much like the movie Armageddon, uh, it it does have very much a bringing the team back together scene, and I think that's one reason people like it. Uh, I, th- I prefer to think of it as Blues Brothers. Uh, good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Blues Brothers 2000. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With the, the terrible zombie sequence. The other reason I think people love to is there was like a lot of lore hinted at in one where it was a lot of tell not show. And then in two, you do come across stuff that you've kind of been learning about in one and you mm-hmm. get to live in that world more. So great example. And, and usually it happens on the space stations. The Elcor. The Elcor are a race in Mass Effect that they're the race mm-hmm. that they – they cannot modulate their voice. Uh-huh. And so in order to communicate, they need to tell you exactly yeah. how they're feeling. They all talk like HK-47 from Knights of the Old Republic. Right. But the beauty is, it makes for some interesting situations when they have jobs. Like, let's say, oh, the bouncer at a nightclub? Don't you know who I am? Matter of fact, no. Get in line. <laughs> Which is, you know... Probably a line some of us have heard in our life, or if not, maybe you heard this one. You've let ten people in while I've been standing here. Uncaring. They were VIPs. <laughs> Uncaring. I fucking love this game. At one point, the dude tries to bribe him, and he's like, amused, double it. And the guy's like, fine, I'll give you double. Uh, matter of fact, no. <laughs> I totally forgot about the Elcor Man. It's been so long since I played this game because there's been no remaster of it, and it makes me sad. That is yeah. weird that there's been no remaster. I mean, you can play it on PC, but that's not quite the same. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, Chris, why people. It's sort of like an Empire thing uh, where people regard the middle entry as the best in the series, but it's because where the most character development happens. There, yeah. that, that's exactly the thing because I think one is broken and kind of a pile of shit and really hard to play nowadays. No, it's not. It's it not a pile good. of shit, it's dude. Good. That shit crashed on me so much back in the day. I just, I just gave up. And uh, and and two didn't do any of that at all. But like I think because the suits at EA were always pushing the game to be more of a straightforward shooter that they could put in every household. Was it the suits at LA? Because Mass Effect was made, if I recall correctly, before Mass Effect, or sorry, BioWare was actually owned by EA. No, only Mass only Mass Effect One, and, and and so every 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 Mass Effect becomes more of a competent shooter. And the third one's like, oh yeah, look at that! You finally yeah. become the shooter you wanted to be. But that wasn't really why I was interested in, in, in it. It was. Uh, I don't know, like, I, you, if you've heard me on the show, I fucking hate video game cutscenes, I hate video game writing, and I hate video game acting, and part of the reason is how good it is in Mass Effect, where it's like something you want to go back and revisit. Mm. Um, and, and, and this had the perfect mix between action elements and just, no, I want to go to wor- different worlds and talk to people. I want to stay in my ship for like the next three hours and just see how everyone's doing. I, it's not even to romance everybody. I know where your next joke is going, but no, I can I can jerk off to any of these people whenever I like. I don't need to fucking ha- I don't need a romance. Scene. So I have something I've been meaning to get off my chest in one of these shows for a long time. Uh, you probably heard in those clips that was um a male shepherd. I played Mass Effect using the default male shepherd skin. Freaking monster! <laughs> default male shepherd, and here, I have a very good reason why. I felt no, that, you don't. I felt there that the default, no the default male shepherd. Is it because he looks like a handsome white frog? No, it's because all of the, <laughs> all of the facial animations for the voice acting, 
didn't look quite right when you created your own character. They always seemed geared oh, yeah. toward that odd, odd-looking man that they use for the mm. default. So mm-hmm. I went default, man. I wanted to play as the dude on the cover. Fine, I admitted it. I'm a better person now. I promise. People change. Mm. I think uh, Brett also, Brett Elston, friend of the show, also played as default male ship. No, he didn't. He played as femme ship. Did he? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I remember him talking up like, "No, I like this bald space marine guy." <laughs> no, maybe on the maybe on the the different place. Maybe that was a joke. Maybe mm. I don't know. Brett <laughs> Brett is not known for making jokes, but anyway, no, very serious man. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, um, Chris. I think one realization I had as you were talking about like after the EA acquisition, I wonder if maybe people talk. More about Mass Effect 2 just because more people got to play it because one was locked true. to the Xbox, whereas two is the first one that could be on Also, one had the friggin' was it the Scorpion that, you know, look, everyone loved. Look, those missions and then weren't the, as the bad. The suits at EA stepped in and were like, no, you take this out of there. And the fans are all like, no, we love driving around with this weird oh, six wheel zero G piece of shit. The Mako, yes, the Mako, the Mako was not as bad as people make it out to be. No, I, I, I was. I got stuck it. in environments all the time. I would have to reload my shit. <laughs> Look, I could spend hours planet scanning and fucking Mako riding. All right. I love those parts of the Mass Effect games. You can't take that away from me. I yes, I can. Because there's a new Mass Effect game with the Mako in it. and It's not good either. I was going to say, there's a game called Mass Effect Andromeda. You should play it. We don't speak of that game in this house. It's pronounced Andromeda, but uh, I'll I'll accept that, Kat. In all seriousness, though, Mass Effect 2 is an outstanding game. It has an incredible cast. I mean, it just does so much right, seriously. I mean, the suicide mission is the apex of that entire dang series. It is incredible. The build-up to it is perfect. It is so well done. Uh, The loyalty missions are excellent. Like, go down the list. Mass Effect 2, like, we put Mass Effect 1 on our top 25 RPG list, but Mass Effect 2, if we're being 1,000% honest, made that series. Yeah. Yeah. It also introduced, like, really cool new characters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mass Effect 2, man. Top 10 in our top 10. Yeah. I'm in, baby. Well, number four in our top 10, really. Yes. Which brings us to... Number three. Oh, yeah. Pale blood. <laughs> well, you've come to the right place. Yarnum is the home of blood ministration. You need only unravel its mystery. But where's an outsider like yourself to begin? Hmm, pale blood that might have given away. What are we talking about? Yeah, Yarnum. Uh, blood administration. Blood Bros, I think, the popular 1980s arcade game. Uh, yes, Blood Bros. Blood Bros. This game's all about the blood, but as they say... We are born of the blood. Made men by the blood. Undone by the blood. Our eyes are yet to open... Fear the old blood. I think he's saying he wants to fuck the blood. This is the way mm. of the Bloodborne. <laughs> Bloodborne. Yeah, Bloodborne. And I want to make I something clear spoken. here. So I, I view this as us giving a nod to Dark Souls in general. Yes. Through Bloodborne. But for me, for my money... But the original Dark Souls is the more impactful and better game. I don't know. I think mm, I, 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 don't know I like better. Bloodborne a lot What game better. do people still talk about and play? Bloodborne. Bloodborne. <laughs> no, they play friggin' Dark Souls, man. 
Dark Souls is on the streaming platforms. People are playing Dark Souls on their fucking bongo drums as we speak. People play Dark Souls. People still I play think there, there might be more to do in Dark Souls at this point, but... Dark Souls has some of the greatest level design in gaming history, period. Mm. I mean, I speak as the fact that Dark Souls is, like, number two on our, our own top 100 list, mm. so, like... And Bloodborne is really high, too. Bloodborne is the second best of the Soulsborne games. But in I've, terms of I've, sheer impact and sheer quality, Dark Souls wins. Having, I have never played Dark Souls 1 at all. Mm, I've only oh played shit. 2 and 3. Bloodborne. Really? See, I have. I mean, I've played Dark Souls 1. I love it. But Bloodborne was like an addiction. Like, I could not stop playing it. And when I finally finished it and got that secret-ass ending, it was like pulling a needle out of my arm. It's like, I can stop playing this for a while. And then Until I realized, the like, hunters. New Game Plus. Oh, God. New Game Plus, Old Hunters DLC. the thing that you DLC. have to mm-hmm. understand about this is that Bloodborne is a very different flavor yeah. compared to... Uh... Yes. Well, well, Dark Souls is, is fantasy, dark fantasy, mm-hmm. whereas Bloodborne is gothic horror. And I think, for me, that... I mean, they're all kind of gothic horror. But Even this Dark is, Souls is gothic horror. This is gothic horror with like Lovecraftian elements. Mm-hmm. They're, they're straight up old gods in this game, man. No, yeah. I, I like I like the I like the aesthetic of uh, Bloodborne better, and I've always said it that like your gun is essentially a shield, but it's a more aggressive shield, and I like yeah. that style of combat better. I was gonna say that more to the point, it plays totally different from Dark Souls. Yeah. It's well. It's yeah, it's faster. More that's not a bad Souls. thing. It's just like I think that you have to take them differently. You know. Well, when we were talking about Sekiro, one of the points I made back then was like, it kind of feels like From has been trying to push us toward. No, no, no. You're not supposed to be blocking. You're supposed to be parrying. And Bloodborne took it a step further, whereas the gun is a shield, but it's basically a parry mechanic. And then Sekiro was like, no, no, no. You just you're gonna we're we're gonna make you parry. Like that's. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, I think, how they've been trying to evolve the combat, right or wrong. Um, but I don't... The way I play Souls games, and the reason... Maybe, maybe one of the reasons this ranks higher for me than Dark Souls. I don't tank. I don't, I don't build tank characters. I build dex, dex builds, right? And Bloodborne, if you are into, like, a dex build, is all about that. And it's all about rolling out of the way, building up your stamina so you can do, like, 40,000 rolls in a row and not have to worry about, you know, losing your stamina. And, and yeah, dude, Bloodborne... Bloodborne to me just felt like the ultimate refinement of a series, and the only knock I have against Bloodborne, it's not their fault, is it's locked on one platform, mm-hmm. because uh, it is a first-party game, technically. Also, tricorn hats, not as cool as helmets. Listen, listen. I, 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 there's, some, there's something gross, grosser and stickier about everything in Bloodborne yes, than there yes. is in Dark Souls. Well, there's blood all over everything. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and I will it, it, compared to the story of Dark Souls, look, they're both batshit insane and you can't really decipher them but i think i understood understand bloodborne's a little bit better it boils down to kind of this be all over the shop you'll be one of them sooner or later So like you can hear the mess he's making. How the squishy floor. did that clip sound? Really but, squishy. Yeah, Chris was talking about the stickiness and the squishiness. There's so many just wet, gross, slick. You can hear the slickness mm-hmm. in that sound. But what he's saying is, you're going to be one of them. Like the basic gist of Bloodborne is, 
these blood menstruations they've been giving people to heal them eventually do turn them into these beast creatures that you're fighting. But not you. It's like it's like Bioshock, where like, oh no, you've you can ingest all the superpowers and not become a monster. It hints that you will eventually become mm. that monster. So uh, that's yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna dig into the super, like deep lore of Bloodborne, but but at its core, it's basically no, I don't, hey, I don't know it, but, I mean, but more more than like a, a big giant story, I like an aesthetic, and I love. Everything about the world of Bloodborne, like learning what's happening through the whispers on doors that you knock on, like please yeah. give me that over cuts, like unskippable cutscenes any fucking day. Please, I have to get back to fisting pigs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that pig! I was gonna say, speaking like a true Floridian. Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there's there's stuff like if I just told you and you haven't played this game, and I say there's aliens in this game, you're gonna be like, that's ridiculous. They could never make that work in this gothic horror game. And it's like, no, they actually do the alien stuff pretty mm-hmm. well. Like the kin are basically aliens. There's, yeah. there's they're, fucking they're big wobbly calamari heads. There are mind flayers in this game. From yeah. straight, straight up out of like, rip them out of a D and D monster book, man, monster manual. Like, yeah. My memories are fuzzy because I, I, the first Dark Souls I played was two on the 360. And then I went into this, and I, I just don't feel that 3 looked that much better. And Bloodborne looks phenomenal, and I agree with what you're saying, Kat, about the level designs. But with, in Bloodborne, I felt like I could see for fucking miles mm. in that game. Oh, it's game. a beautiful game. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, who's your favorite boss? Because Bloodborne has some of the best bosses in the, like, in the Soulsborne series. It's got to be that pig's asshole. <laughs> I, keep, I keep thinking about who's the... Uh, that woman with like the the cane whip that you find like right around Rom the Vacuous Spider, like she she stands out to me. I don't have their names memorized. Ebrietis uh, uh, was was cool because yeah. it's like you can stare at that face for minutes and not understand like what are all these tubes? Yeah, what is this creature? And also Ebrietis like. That was one of the hardest bosses in the game to the point where it felt unfair and found out recently, like, yes, it was unfair because one of the hitboxes was drawn wrong. Like, the it, w- it was like one of the, the wings when it attacks you, like, its hitbox was, like, way out to the side. Mm-hmm. And so it would sweep you even if you weren't that close. Yeah. Man, I'm trying to think. Father Gascoigne also Father, stands Father out. Father Gas- Gascoigne. Father Gascoigne. That's yeah. the one. That's the one. That, that yeah. was the clip I just played of the squishy sound. That's oh, Father okay. Gascoigne right before he attacks Man, you. The blood-hungry beast. Who's the, the, the lady that turns into the giant shaggy dog thing? Uh, oh. Forget what she's called. Yeah. I don't know. Just there's so much in, there's so much here and there's so much game here and so much like lore if you really want to dig deep and find it. And then they had – they introduced the um, – uh, the dynamically generated elements with those little—I forget what they called them—but the, the different tombstones you could go and it would it would create a random oh, dungeon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With all the naked dudes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Oh no, I just, I just remember like like all these these big fat naked dudes with no genitalia who would like die and like splay their legs out. This I was like, this is really gross. I'm going to take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. the truest horror of all. So so yeah, but Michael was saying though, it's much like our destiny entry is kind of a cheat entry. Like we're trying to basically give a tip of the hat to all the Soul series here with what we. Well, three, mm-hmm. three of us view as the pinnacle of that series. Yeah, I think the the Souls series, like and Souls games in general, have like been easily one of the most influential and important totally. things to happen in totally. the past decade. It's kind of redefined how people 
see modern video game design in in a way that I like. <laughs> I put out Remnant last year. That's a, that's yeah. a Souls ish game. You know, ish, it's, yeah, it, it yeah, borrows yeah. from some Souls elements. Mm-hmm. There's fires. Insanely, insanely influential. I mean, you can't make a top ten of the decade without putting a Bloodborne or Dark Souls on there. Mm-hmm. And frankly, while I think Dark Souls is the game that deserves to be at the top, I simply cannot hate choosing Bloodborne because, in my mind, they're almost interchangeable. They're really good. Thank you for that. Yeah, yes. I still think it's it's the best. If, if you have to decide on a system, I would decide on a PS4 just because of the strength of Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. It is the best exclusive on any platform. That's yeah. not That doesn't have Mario in it. Oh, no, Breath of the Wild is the best exclusive on any platform. Don't get ahead of... Let's not get ahead of our... Spoiler alert! Well, maybe that game will pop up. I don't know. We all have a couple more entries, starting with... Number two. Oldest game on the list? It might. It's this was 2011. Of, this so is, it's like Portal Two is around the same period. Yeah, but, but I, I did have to reference the, the date on this one to be like, ah, oh, did this did this make the cut? And it did. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad you know what game this is. I was trying to throw you for a loop by just playing that song. Yeah, remember when we said that uh, Rockstar only made one GTA this decade? It made two of Red Dead Redemption. Uh, although it was Rockstar San Diego working on it, but uh, still, this is a, a huge multi-studio production. Um, and we're, again, like we did with Bloodborne, we're kind of giving a nod to both Red Dead and Red Dead 2 here. For my money, though, I think Red Dead, the original, is still the more meaningful game. Um, the, the things that it did were kind of revolutionary at the time. Um, and the, the story of John Marston is just like, you get, you get drawn into it. You care a lot about this guy. And yeah, I, I think at the end of Red Dead Redemption too, like there's a lot of people and things in here I didn't care about at all, mm-hmm. but I had to watch all, I had to sit through all this. And I think at the end of the day, Red Dead 2 added a bunch of like extra bullshit you could do. Most of which like, I don't care about. Um, but there's a lot more to do as John Marston and a lot more reasons to do it, be- given the narrative element of a man trying to hide and protect his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's yeah. funny you, you mentioned, like, John Marston and, and how much we became attached to him because I have to admit, like, when I first started playing Red Dead Redemption, I did not like the character of John Marston. Like, he... What? This is a very personal story. He reminded me he had a voice just like... It was is one of my friends growing up. One of the only friends, like friend friends, I've gotten to a fist fight with. Like he annoyed me so much at one point, mm. and his voice just sounded like I'm like, oh, very unlikable. And he he kind of starts off as this unlikable, loudmouth character. You know, honestly, for a while, I thought he was the same voice actor as Johnny Klebitz from Grand Theft mm-hmm. Auto Four. Mm-hmm. But then over time, he just grew on me, and I spent so much time with him. And yeah, he really did become. This character I love to the point where 
Now we're kind of crossing over into 2. When it was revealed that he wasn't the main playable character in 2, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, shit, I really wanted to play him. But that was so great when I got to meet him. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the best tricks the Red Dead series has pulled, I don't know how much of 2 was pre-planned or they were thinking of it with 1 or if it was one of those things where they're retconning. Um, but I went back and I pulled scenes from 1 that involve some characters from 2 and just listen to this stuff and it really is like oh my god like they back then they had nailed the character so such as this interaction with well it's gonna sound pretty familiar hello again john hello dutch we gotta stop meeting like this sure i got a plan john you always got a plan dutch Always got a plan. Going to expand on that a lot. Yeah, that is a constant refrain in two. Have some faith. (laughs) Yeah. Have some goddamn faith. faith. (laughs) So that scene, though, is that's when Tahiti. That's when John has has pursued Dutch. Like the whole Dutch is kind of like a MacGuffin in one where you're trying to get to him through these other ex games. He's always several steps ahead. Yeah, and that's the scene where you confront him. And you're basically – you've been sent by the feds to kill him. And they kind of have this interaction which it's really interesting because A, it plays into the ending of RDR1. But it all even even hints like, yeah, this is kind of a common theme of the entire Red Dead series. When I'm gone, they'll just find another monster. They have to because they have to justify their wages. That's their business. Hmm. Yeah, so that's hinting. That's very convenient for Dutch, though. (laughs) (laughs) And then Dutch conveniently uh, dies in a very unique way right after right after those Mm -hmm. lines. So falls off a cliff, hits a spike, and explodes. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And but technically he died, which was all John was sent to do is Mm -hmm. was make sure that Dutch is dead. Um, Red Dead Redemption, I think was a huge step for Rockstar. It so okay, it came a couple years after GTA four and I think it was more successful than GTA four in trying to tell a big story. I think John Marston is one of their greatest protagonists. I think the final scene with John Marston and how the the baton is passed to his son is quite beautiful. The world is expansive, but you aren't constantly being hounded by a freaking cell phone. Yeah. It, it is Marston! A... Let's go out and see some American titties! <laughs> I'm your cousin, Roman! I had a, a horse explode when it got hit by a train. Oh, that yes. was amazing. Did you get the secret achievement for that's train-related as well? Oh, what was that? I, f- I felt guilty. I don't even think I did it. I saw videos. If you tie a woman to the train tracks and she gets hit by a train, there is an achievement it unlocks, which is like, it's called like Dastardly, because it's mm. basically what every villain in every like old Western does. Yeah, si- right. Silent melodrama. Yeah. Like, there's they no had the mounty poker, and you could just you. sit there and play poker for hours. They had Liar's Dice. You could play yeah. Liar's Dice. Um, so what, that's that's one of the things I loved about this game, and I think you're right, Kat. It's like this signaled this evolution and, and kind of Rockstar growing up in a lot of ways. And, and granted, there was still some signature Rockstar stuff with interesting and funny characters, but this game, like, 
This was, I think, one of the first Rockstar games I've 100%ed, like, did everything in Red Dead 1, like, did all the hunts, got all the secret creatures and stuff, just because, like, I loved spending time in that world, and if you spent any time in that world, a lot of the game probably ended up sounding like this to you. So that was one of the other things. Rockstar games up until this point, the shooting had always been like one of the worst parts of those games. It was mm-hmm. something you just kind of got past. Like shooting in Red Dead felt amazing, mainly because of Deadeye, which is kind of like their bullet time thing where you slow down time. And then as long as you painted the targets and kind of got your cursor over things, it put a little X there. Mm-hmm. And then when you release it, it automatically just shoots like 20 times in a row. Like, bam, 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 everything you've, you've painted in that time. I want to say Gun actually had something similar, but they did. Red Dead is like Gun times 100. Yeah. Like yeah. 100 times better than Gun. Right. Red Dead made people forget about Gun. Yeah. <laughs> Other than Wiki Oh, Paris yes. Everybody forgot about Gun anyway. Yeah. yeah. But more importantly, Red Dead made everybody forget about Red Dead Revolver. Yes. Yeah, Michael and I were talking. It's like it's so weird that we just talk about Red. Basically, it's Red Dead Two and Three. We never talk about the original. I don't think that's all that weird. If you've played Red Dead Revolver, it's a different. It's, it's just, a totally different. It's game. it's a very different game. That game was actually originally made by Capcom, mm-hmm. and then Rockstar bought it, but along with that studio, which became yeah, Rockstar the San Studio Diego. that made the game. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's if like if if you play it, it's like a goofy uh, action. It's like a shooter. Um, that's more straightforward. It's not open world, and it owes a very big debt to spaghetti westerns. Like it tries to capture yeah. that like '60s film stock aesthetic, and it has a bunch of licensed music from spaghetti westerns, right. and even Italian movies that aren't spaghetti westerns. Like there's a great track from uh, Killer Nun, I think. But so does I mean Red Dead Redemption does as well. Like it's very spaghetti western. Like with the the I was listening to the soundtrack today because I love the soundtrack, and it's like. It borrows from it without being too obvious. It, mm-hmm. It's like, it's more like a riff on those things. It's derivative. Yeah. And and so the other reason, and this is a little bit of a cheat, I'm actually combining when I say Red Dead 1, not just 2, but also the single greatest piece of downloadable content, story content ever sold, Undead Nightmare. Undead Nightmare. And this mm-hmm. proves Kat's point earlier about like, yeah, Rockstar Story DLC can kick ass. Undead Nightmare. Well, I'll let one of these interesting characters I was talking about just explain the whole thing to you. Moses, get him. Go. Yeah. Get him. Get me, Moses. Looks like your dog's lost his bite, Seth. Now, what the hell's going on? The dead have risen, and a virulent plague is turning people into flesh eaten. Crazies. What the hell you think's going on, genius? <laughs> Seth is one of the best characters. He's one of the weirdest characters in any Rockstar game. One of the grossest. Like yeah. even even by Trevor standards, he's really gross. Yes, he is. Like his hands are always filthy because he's always digging in graves. Well, he's 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 yeah. He's like he looks like an old prospector, but he's basically a grave robber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like he really loves it, and he loves corpses. Yeah, he's a necrophile. Yeah, he's gross. Yeah. But and then, but he fits. He plays like actually a really big part in Undead Nightmare because of that. Like everyone else is a zombie, and then there's Seth, and he's like, hey, I'm just hanging out playing cards with this yeah. zombie. None of them attack him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're used to me. Yeah, probably <laughs> smells like one of them. 
But Undead Nightmare like took this amazing game, and yeah, a lot of us were sad when John Marston dies at the end Spoiler. of Spoiler. I think we already talked about that. Maybe. And it's also a ten year old game, so come on, get fucked. Um <laughs> and, and you already played the song, but one of the best musical moments in gaming history. This is one of the single best moments in gaming history. Absolutely, that mm. song. But Under Nightmare like gave you another like twenty hours worth of story content, expanded the world, gave you all new like mythical creatures to go hunt, mm-hmm. and and made it one of the best times I've had with a zombie game ever because yeah. it was like Western zombie game, spooky, yeah. spooky Western. Mm-hmm. Love it. And zombies suck, but <laughs> somehow they worked here. They worked. And you had, like, the four horsemen of the apocalypse oh, yeah. horses you could capture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. War and famine. And yeah, dude. I loved riding around on a skeleton horse in this game. Oh, it was, it, yeah, it looked, first of all, it looked fucking super cool. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so, yeah, you got to play, you got to play as John again in the DLC, which was great. It was it was almost as if the ending had never happened, and they were like, okay, we'll let you play. Because it... In the timeline, well, it's like this alternate timeline because his wife and son become yeah. zombies. In this, well, it in could, that it could also be seen as not an alternate timeline so much as like this is his death dream, especially ah, yes. because of what happens at the end of it, where you get to play as Zombie Marston, and if you go through any of the uh, cutscenes or side missions that require him to talk, he just sort of groans, yeah. and people seem to understand him. That's true. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting that it took about eight years for other AAA games to mimic one of Red Dead Redemption's best touches, which is the musical stings as you're, like the, like the song, as you're going into Mexico, like Kat was just saying. Oh, yeah. But, like, we saw it last year with uh, Death Stranding and um, the zombie biker game. I'm blanking. Days Gone. Days Gone. Thank Days you. Gone. Yeah. I thought when you were talking about musical stings, so we talked about, okay, so John Marston dies at the end of one, and... Then you get that you you can keep playing the game as mm-hmm. Jack, and Jack and and kind of one of the side missions is Jack. Even though the main story's over, you're going to, to get revenge on John's killer. And when you finally come across him, you have a showdown and a shootout like in a river. And then I love it that like after you kill him, there's no like Arnold Schwarzenegger line or anything like that. You kill the dude, he dies, and it just like has a musical sting. It's like boing, yeah. and then he's like him walking away, and I'm like hell yeah, dude! Mm-hmm. It couldn't have been much cooler. Mm-hmm. John Marston couldn't have been much cooler. And uh, yeah, I just hate to to have to do this, but uh... goodbye, John Marston. It's been a great pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> may, may I also point out, uh, uh, after this happened, uh, Rockstar gave up on everything else. We have not seen a Midnight Club or a Beaterator. Midnight Club or a Beaterator. I mean, to the point where Disney has smugglers run the ride, and no one talks about that Rockstar game. Yeah, yeah. What, really? yeah they was... did bring back La Noire, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Did they oh for VR. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Um, they put on Switch. Well, that's they did. True. Gotta uh, make that money back. Max Payne. Yeah, we haven't seen another Max Payne since 3. Yeah. I guess that kind of finished out the uh, the trilogy, but still. How much more Seriously. depressed could Max Payne get? Extremely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's move along to... It's our number one, our number one game of the decade. What could mm. it possibly be? Matt, Chris, Cat, any guesses? Wait, no, 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 no. I'll just play the sound. Okay. <laughs> Is it Witcher 3? That's cute for a second. When I saw the sound word, I said to myself, oh, Michael must have forgotten to take that 
sound off the soundboard. No, purely deliberate, because the actual game is, of course. You have been asleep for the past 100 years. The beast. When the beast regains its true power, this world will face its end. Of course, it's everybody's favorite game, Anime Rip Van Winkle. (laughs) You completely slept through Skyward Sword, and it's probably for the best. (laughs) It is for the best. Yeah, fuck Skyward Sword. This is Breath of the Wild, baby. Yeah! Best Zelda the game. zenith of the Zelda series. <laughs> <laughs> what? It is. It is the zenith. Why are you guys looking at me like that? I do not like think that? this word means what we told you it should mean at the beginning of the show. <laughs> should have just said nadir. <laughs> nadir televisions. I actually think it's uh, um, it's uh, it, it puts other open world games to shame because yeah. like. There are way more elements to touch and interact with and solve shit with in, in, in Breath of the Wild than any GTA game ever. I, I feel like, like this is the 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 zenith of what <laughs> literal zenith of what of open world games Pinnacle. should be. Pinnacle. Pinnacle, yes, thank you. No, let's just keep saying zenith. Yeah. No, zenith <laughs> let's is fun. Flavor this word yeah. some more. Yeah. I like it is it. the it is the Panasonic of what these games should be. <laughs> but but it, it's it's basically just a bunch of overlapping systems. That are that play off each other in fun ways, but in doing so, it became like this is the promise of the original Zelda. This yeah. is a virtual mm. world that you can spend a lot of time in that will react to you in interesting and believable ways in which you can carry a torch and cook an apple that's still hanging on its tree, and then it'll fall down and you can eat it. Uh, it's 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 basically like what Fable was gonna be before they actually made the game. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got that like Kojima level attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of the only things I've ever seen justify the type of delay that it saw. Like, oh, yeah. okay, this is way bigger than I thought it would yeah, be. To the point where it did the thing, not Skyward Sword, the Zelda before that, uh, Twilight Princess did, where mm-hmm. it was supposed to be on one platform and had to straddle generations mm-hmm. and be on two platforms. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like people are going to forget that the Wii U version ever existed. I feel like you could cut that off as at uh, people are going to forget the Wii U ever existed. True, but uh, but yeah, no, it, it was it basically had that simultaneous release because it had been in development and delayed so many times. But it was worth it because they made Link Spider Man in a game. Interesting. <laughs> I do I do wonder how many of my memories. The only only way I'd say I was wrong, and this is like my personal number one. Um, I always say I wish I could erase my brain and like play this again, uh, fresh. But but that uh, I, I think some of it might have to do with like it is the best launch game of the last ten years. Oh, and without a doubt, since Mario sixty four, yeah. I think yeah, or no, since Halo. So you get this fresh new console, and you actually have this thing worth playing on it, and like that completely justifies your purchase. And then you can undock it, and you have... I don't know, so I have all these other memories of like, fuck, I could just take this with me and do this shit wherever? God damn. And this thing that's solved for a problem many consoles have at their launch of... Well, there's not a lot of games and content. That's okay. We've given you hundreds of hours worth of content in Zelda because you're going to try to find every shrine. And mm-hmm. there's so much to do in this game. And you're going to try to find every Korok. And then you're going to get the golden poop. No. And people still play it. And they're still doing insanely cool things. This is secretly... Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the greatest action game ever made, but 
My god, some of the YouTube clips of things that people can do in that game is like straight out of John Woo or something. Yeah, you can abuse the physics systems to the point where like dudes were like figuring out how to get to the last boss just by there's that power where you can freeze things and then if you hit them a bunch of times it'll it'll Mm -hmm. supercharge them and then they'll fly you know Mm -hmm. once once time starts again you can like climb onto them and then use that to rocket yourself across the map yeah that's yeah Yeah, the brilliance of this game is that so many games will go no no you can't do that right and breath of the wild be like fair play to you figure out how to do that because it was like it was like no no every game will tell you no no that doesn't work like that and it doesn't work with that over there and like you realize like oh everything works with everything all the time and, and and after and months after the game was up, people were like you can you kill these fish and they become balloons and you can stick them on rocks and then ride them over their over a mountain. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? That's they the they never tell you can do that. That's the difference between Breath of the Wild and say GTA. In GTA, mm-hmm. it's like this carefully wound watch, mm-hmm. and like every the world is ticking around, but it's you know completely artificial and everything. You can yeah. you can ca- cause a cascade and have things go insane and create chaos and everything, but by and large, the world itself uh, has a rhyme and a reason to it, and it's a series of systems. Whereas Zelda feels alive in the sense that you can manipulate the very rules of the world in ways that are really interesting. And mm-hmm. it's just an experience that I hadn't really had in a game yet when I picked up Breath of the Wild. Me neither. Me neither. Just because like, we were so used to GTA, where I do love GTA and it's open world, but like... It's like, oh, that was just a funny billboard. There were like eight city blocks where I could scale the building, I guess, but none of this real estate did anything or had held any secrets or puzzles or anything. Everywhere you look, there's something to do in Zelda. If there's, if you can see it, you can touch it. Yeah. And odds are, if you can touch it, there's something up there or down there for you to fuck with. Yeah. It's it's astonishing. I think that, so. When Michael was talking about like how this harken back to the original legend of zelda i think the key term there is just discoverability like the original legend of zelda for those of us old enough to have grown up and been on the playgrounds talking about and like oh wait you can put a bomb there and there's a hidden cave and stuff like that like this game has that in spades where it's like oh yeah you just go around this corner there's either a hidden shrine or there's like a korok and here's this korok puzzle like there's all they stuffed so much into this game and i never felt so you remember when they added the Jeffrey mode where you could see everywhere you walked in the game, like from Family Circus? Mm-hmm. For the, oh, that right. was like DLC. Jeffy. Not yes. me. Jeffy, yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't appreciate my Family Circus reference? I, I did. I did. But, uh, but like, I I saw everywhere I went, and I could like kind of map out like, oh, that was where this was. and this. There was never any wasted time where I just felt like, oh, I was just wandering aimlessly. It's like, oh, I yeah, I remember exactly what I was doing there. I was trying to shoot the scale off a fucking flying dragon that only appears at a certain uh-huh, time those, of day. Th- do you remember the first time you saw those dragons? That was terrifying. That was ho- like, what the fuck is that thing? It's gigantic. <laughs> and most games would be like, oh, we're going to put that in the distance and you can never actually reach it. Whereas Zelda's like, no, nah, we're going to let you take your leaf thing and float on the air current produced by the dragon and hover mm-hmm. right next to that dragon if you want. Yeah. But, like, that that first experience was, like, you ever see the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou yeah. and, like, the ending with, like, the... the Leopard shark? Leopard shark, yeah. 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 Or jaguar shark, whatever it was called. Yeah. And and it's it's just, like, this moment where there's just this immense, majestic thing that could probably kill you, and it's just going right over you, and you're like, wow. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm like, is that the Aurora Borealis? And I get closer, I'm like, that's a fucking dragon. Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to do with that? And I just I, I just followed it for like what felt like 20 minutes. Yeah. 
Couldn't think of anything to do with it. And you can go, uh, if you're in the mountains when you're following this dragon, you could surf on your shield. Like, and, and I'm impressed with, like, as much stuff is crammed into this game, it is also one of the only Zeldas to feature nearly full voice acting. My ability to explore the firmament is certainly of note. But let's not, pardon me for being so blunt, let's not forget the fact that I am the most skilled archer of all the Rito. Yet despite these truths, it seems that I've been tapped to merely assist you. All because you happen to have that little darkness-sealing sword on your back. I mean, it's just asinine. Oh, Reveille, you're such a dick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but his his Gale, like, completely changes the game. That's true. Oh, that thing's... It's, like, the best power that mm-hmm. you get. I mean, yeah. but he's no, like, shark man that everyone wants to fuck. Oh, you mean Prince Sidon? Say hey there, young one! Up top, above you! Pardon the entrance, but you're a Hylian, aren't you? I was hoping perhaps you'd have a moment to talk. Yeah, oh, there's talk. a lot of. I know there's a lot of people on the internet who would love for Prince Sidon to be up there above them, if you know what I mean, and pardoning yeah. his entrance. Well, the thing is, like, there's a limited uh, subset of people who this would appeal to because, hey, Prince Sidon, what's your preferred sexual role? Top! Got it. <laughs> there it is. There it is. I'm glad my mind isn't the only one that went no, there. No, okay. So one of the like the first time that I was aware that's like, oh, this is a character people on the internet really want to fuck. Yeah. Was like this this tweet that just had, was like two images, and the first one was like Link and Prince Sidon standing like facing each other, and like there's an enormous size difference. And then the next uh, image was just like a hamster stuffing its face with a banana. <laughs> Like all right, <laughs> yep. This is about where it. is this going? I, uh-huh. I can't imagine. <laughs> when I when I say this, I feel like a, a old timey hack game journalist because mm-hmm. it's not a competition, but like everything about Breath of the Wild felt like it put every game I've ever played to shame. Everything it tried to do failed. Uh, Nintendo succeeded in all these other areas that every other open world or puzzle game had tried to create, and I, I don't. No, they, they, I don't know. I just don't know exactly how they did it. It's it's both bold, big, giant, bombastic, and elegant at the same time. I fucking love this game. Yeah. Well, I love the fact that it just it defies so many Zelda norms in that. So, like you know, most Zelda games we're used to, they have the dungeons, and there's like you know six. No, six I, to eight I, of we them. got we got that hammered into our heads because all that came out on Wii U was re releases. Yeah, which which was sort of like it's like the Disneyland perspective. We're like. Yeah, you have this giant overworld, and then you take an elevator downstairs, and you disappear into a fucking, you know, all the, I love Zelda dungeons, but, like, that formula can get old, and it did, and, like, and there are nothing, there's nothing I would, like, call a dungeon well, in this well, game, I think where like I was headed with that is that they took the dungeon formula, and then they, they kind of have two variations of it. There are, four, there are the four big... Uh, mythic creatures, I forget what, what are they called? The four big dungeon yeah, type things. Four something beasts. The mythic beast, yeah. And then, but then there are like over a hundred, like hundreds of shrines, which are basically yeah. just mini dungeons. Mini dungeons. Yeah. So what it does though is it, it basically gives you, like, here are all the dungeon tools that you would normally, like the normal Zelda progression is you go into a dungeon, you get like the boomerang or something, and the boomerang helps you solve puzzles. 
This time it's just you like... You carry that shit with you for the rest of the game, yeah. even though you'll never use in it. In the first 90 minutes of the game, we will give you these magical abilities that correspond with all the tools you will need to use throughout the game, and just just use them to, to defeat the puzzles you come across. We're not localizing them to any dungeons. Yeah. At your own pace, at your leisure, do this or don't. It doesn't really matter. Well, that's like, one, of, uh, one of my favorite things about the game. You talk about the powers and how you're supposed to use them. There are definitely parts in this game where you can tell, oh, they crafted this part of the world. Uh, a good example would be like, there's a cave you need to break open the walls and you could roll a boulder that, oh, there just happens to be a boulder perched at the top of this mountain that, that, that conveniently has a channel that gets to the cave. But the beauty of Breath of the Wild is if you cleverly use your powers... They don't penalize you and the stuff that you're like, well, what if this, what if I tried this and, and do this bomb here instead? Mm-hmm. And it just magically works. And it's just like, and they, and they let you do it. They're like, no, you know what? You outsmarted us. Alternate solutions are completely valid in this game. And there's so oh, many shit, times. I'm trying to remember because they had those awful levels that were based on like the Wii U accelerometer where you have to like tilt balls. Oh, yeah. like, this yeah. sucks. Yeah. I those. hate this. Yeah. But there's there's so many ways to cheat past. You can get, you can a get lot past that. There was yeah. a cheat for it to like to like because it was clearly meant for the platform I wasn't playing on. Yeah, but that that also like introduced me to like the the switches fine tuned motion controls to the point where like trying to play other games like Horizon Zero Dawn after this and it's like but I want to tilt the controller a little just to fine tune the the aim on this arrow and I can't do that. And it's like the, this this thing that we thought was a dead end that we thought we were sick of with the six axis. It's like no, this is so important and so it was vital. the future, baby. It, wa- it outlasted the Wii remote, <laughs> and it can sound like there's ice cubes actually in that controller uh-huh. if you really oh want it to. Oh my and it can god! Feel that way too. <laughs> no other game has taken advantage of that at all. Yes, like, they have. No, the ice cube thing. Not the ice cube thing specifically, but HD Rumble. Yes, absolutely. No. I have not. I've not seen a game. Play Monopoly on Switch. It'll feel like you're actually shaking the dice. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Yes, you are. I think the beauty of Breath of the Wild is, first of all, really incorporating some simple and amazing concepts. Just like the glider. The glider is genius. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like just uh, going up the Ubisoft tower and then <laughs> uh, leaping off it with the with with the glider. That's awesome. It's amazing. And then also it doesn't ex- really explicitly give you a lot of goals. It-, it gives him broad goals, like wake up, like, you know, beat Ganon. Yeah. Figure out how to get into the, the thing and beat Ganon. Yeah. But also, it also is constantly making you want to figure out what's over the horizon. Like, what's going on over there? Who's that? Yeah. That's a giant fairy woman that lives in a fountain mm-hmm. that somehow I'm attracted oh to, oddly. It's mm. weird. <laughs> but what what a what a cool thing for the the fairy fountain to be! It was totally not what I expected. Where you just fortify your clothing instead of refilling your health uh, all the right. way. Yeah. Uh, they, they they sort of reinvented everything I thought I knew about Zelda in a in a way and yet I thought that remained faithful to yeah, the totally. spirit of Zelda because totally. mm-hmm. you said it's basically the Zelda one that we should have had all mm-hmm. along, and you're totally right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think it is the the purest open world game. It is damn near perfect what an open world game should be yeah and i i think it's not only the the best game of the decade it's one of the best games in the medium like i really yeah, love ever, this thing ever of the last 40 years mm-hmm. it feels crazy wait to say for games have been around. whatever half-ass sequel they're getting ready to do but guys the weapon degradation 
it's that was annoying. That, that, was annoying. I could, that I could do without. Super yeah. stupid, especially no, with the I, master sword. I like, let me just use it. it. Like, yeah. No, that's not the point. The point is to like not get used to anything, to realize that you can pick up anything in the environment and fuck. It's it's how it's telling you like don't get attached to anything. You can survive any battle with anything that's you not see true, around though, you. Because once you get to end game, like you need super powerful yes, weapons, and you'll have your master sword by then, which has to recharge after you break it. Like that's sometimes that's, yes. I hope for this sequel. If the sequel ends up being like a one point five version of this game. I think I'd totally be fine with that, but I do hope that's one of the small tweaks they make. It's just like make them a little more. I hope durable. they go Majora's Mask with that game. That's what I'm thinking, man. It's going to be Majora's Mask as hell. Yeah, so excited. More puzzles. <sighs> no new engine. So many more puzzles. So, uh, that has been our top ten. I'm gonna close on this on Zelda being more wrong than she's ever been ever. There's a fine line between courage and recklessness. As brave as you are, that does not make you immortal. First off, yes, Link is immortal. You're all fucking immortal. You've been doing this for decades. Uh, second, uh, I'm just going to pull up my Triforce of Recklessness here and show you how much better it is than the Triforce of Courage. <laughs> <laughs> that You're giving away secrets from the sequel. That's, uh-huh, yeah, that's yeah. the sequel. you got to find the Triforce of Recklessness. It's like the, other side, first. the other side of the coin gotta, for all three Triforce. you got to find the Triforce of Party and Dad! <laughs> the Triforce of Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's, instead of is it power? Is it yeah. the Triforce of Weakness? And no, instead of power, it's no nag has it. No, it's going to be like oh, <laughs> Triforce of like Dad Strength, or like instead of power, dad Strength. Like, yeah, that's a thing, man. Dad Strength uh-huh. or Drunk Strength. The Triforce of Drunken Strength. Mm. <laughs> this is all wonderful. I just want, I just want more of this game, and I, every day I threaten to like erase my save and load it back up again. Do it. Did you get all the Koroks? Did you enjoy getting trolled for getting all the Koroks? No, I don't think I don't believe I did. I, I didn't come anywhere close to hundred percenting it. I just remember kind of getting bored with the DLC. No, did yeah. anybody else? Well, that's, yeah. people well, I got, acted I got like got the motorcycle. I'm like, well, now what do I do? Well, that's the thing. People acted like the Korok thing was new to the series. I'm like, look, did you ever? Find all the spiders. They just give you a bigger wallet, which by that time you have everything you could ever buy in the game. You don't need a big wallet. Uh, like, excuse me. I think they're called sculptulas. Eh, whatever. <laughs> gold sculptulas. Spiders. I, 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 I did enough, as much of that as I needed to do, if I recall. Like, you just, mm. to where you can expand whatever you need. Um, and I didn't need any more slots of shit because I had such a giant pocket. Fucking love this game. Yeah. Yeah. I think the problem with the DLC is it came out months after most of the people who would have bought the DLC had finished mm-hmm. the game. Yeah, and uh, so it's like, well, like me. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like so, well, the the candelabra thing is kind of fun, but uh, well, it was also a little like there wasn't like straight up story DLC. It, mm-hmm. it was kind of like, oh, here's this uh, more dungeons. Yeah, here's this super hard uh, survival mode yeah. that you have to get through. Or, Here's this ridiculous that, that boss that you have to Here's fight. The motorcycle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, to get the motorcycle. I remember fighting that boss and thinking, like, why didn't they sell this? send this asshole to kill Ganon? Like, he's way more <laughs> terrifying than Ganon. And he's supposed to be a good guy. He's like, he's testing you. He just stomps you into the mud over and over again. I agree. He found a flaw in Zelda's narrative. I cannot believe it. I, I, I know. But when you get that dang uh, Master Sword for the first time, mm, so good. It is so mm-hmm. good. And then you go back and do the master trials. That that's kind of what I want to do, but you, you can't use the motorcycle in those. Anyway, that has been our 
Games of the Decade. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, before we go, uh, we're going to go down, uh, enter the community segment, which is always is segmenting our community. And we're sure this top 10 probably segmented our community more than anything else we've ever done. Mm-hmm. Because uh, by now you disagree with us. I'm, I'm sure at least half of you do. You've been segmented. Yeah. Yes. I voted to banish Undertale. You can't banish Undertale. Undertale got discussed for uh-huh. the list at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, was, it, was, it wasn't on the top 25, I'm but it's like it was an Just trying to segment game. the community. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a good job. It was in our top 25. Oh, nice. Ooh. It True came close. over there. Saying. came close. Uh, but last week's question of the week, as you might remember, was what was your personal game of the decade? Uh, VigilGameApocalypse.com first to respond was, Hey, buddy, you got to slow your car down and let me in, says... Mine has to be Binding of Isaac. I've purchased this game on multiple platforms and have easily put more than 600 hours into it. I have it on Vita, Wii U, PC, PS4, and now Switch. It's the only game that if my save data corrupted, I'd be okay with it. Like that. Dang, dude. Okay, so I I know Binding of Isaac has a huge fan community. I don't get it at all. It's like, it's a roguelike Zelda 1 dungeon game. Uh, I've never... It's never clicked for me, but I appreciate that. Like, there are huge, huge fans of this game out there. It hasn't. So, what you should know is that your choice is bad, mm-hmm. dear listener. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's just, it's not for me. But I, I, I respect it. No, and you have to embrace the uh, this this choice is bad energy that I have been this entire oh, okay. episode. <laughs> All right. You might say it's the zenith of. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I've roguelikes all the games. The there you go. Uh, I knew we could get that joke in one more time. <laughs> Here we go. Ding Morlock's got cats back. Uh, my boring answer, it's Dark Souls. While I might uh, slightly right. prefer Bloodborne, Ooh! there you go. There's no doubt that FromSoft have built an empire of greatness with everything they've produced since Demon's Souls. The first Dark Souls was my first venture into these dead and decaying worlds of fantasy horror. The lonely uh, wandering before stumbling onto the next ass-blasting challenge really spoke to me. I've beaten all of these games at least twice, except Sekiro, fuck you, why so hard? Uh, exclamation, question, exclamation. Those uh, are called Banks. Uh, why do you know that? And I'm sure... And I'm a I'll copy <laughs> editor! It's what I do! And I'm sure I'll keep replaying them until my thumbs fall off. It's interesting that he used the phrase ass-blasting and yet said fuck you to Sekiro, the only game that has an actual ass-blasting boss. <laughs> Mole Man in the Morning says, I think we can all agree that the, uh, with the, this was the decade of the remakes and re-releases, and I can't think of a better game uh, that did that than Resident Evil 2. It here, did here. what no other game was able to do and recreated how it felt to play the original back in the 90s while also feeling new and fresh, yet also very distinctly RE2. Uh, it's not my favorite game of the past decade, but uh, what it was able to accomplish in a time where the idea of a remake was just trying to be uh, makes it much more worthy of a best of the decade, if you say so. Mm-hmm. Tanaka and the Power of Juju says, I would have to say that nothing would top the years I spent playing Skyrim mm. with half my college dorm room floor. We all shared the same characters through their victory and defeats. Oh it was a time when the openness of a game world left us awestruck. Uh, Skyrim, yes, yeah, I yes. mean, it's on our list. You, you can't deny that it. Was at the top of my personal top five, but I, I feel like if you're comparing Skyrim to Breath of the Wild, again, Breath of the Wild takes like all these cool iterative systems. and It's just a different game. Mm-hmm. I mean, Skyrim has had longevity. 
Yeah. I think the best thing I can say about Skyrim is that ultimately beating the game was not the thing for me. My end game was marrying my werewolf girlfriend mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and getting the nicest house in the Imperial capital. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who just find different things to love about Skyrim. It's a janky, broken-ass game, but it does have cool dragons and an awesome world, and I like it. Did you go Empire or Stormcloaks? Uh, neither, because <laughs> no, okay. they're both bad. Good. Yeah. Like, I stopped before I had to make that choice, because I didn't want to go with the racist Nords or the Empire. Yeah, I kind of felt like, well, as a Khajiit, maybe I can show the racists the error of their ways, but no, fuck that. Fuck nah, em. you were just too wasted on school. Going Empire. You yeah, Odin yeah. and Nally. Like, that's a negative stereotype. <laughs> I will not accept it. <laughs> Khajiit will not accept that. Okay, fine. Uh, I just am really curious how he says they shared the same character. That would be that's maddening. That's fucking crazy. If yeah. I came back and it was like, well, wait, how'd I get all this cool shit? I'd, I'd be, be like, so your frustrated. little sister played on, on your save and... Uh, gained a bunch of loot that like how did i get that he just said that like like it was like a bunch of his brothers and sisters but they were adults in college so hmm. i just find that baffling it's weird hmm. it's weird man it's unnatural is what yeah. we're saying don't play that way yeah. <laughs> uh on facebook brian stafford says uh legend of zelda breath of the wild best Ooh. defines the decade for me this is the decade where open world gaming hit its peak as well as a great selection of sequels and remakes that were vastly superior to their predecessors. Breath of the Wild is a great open-world game that one can get lost in for hours exploring every nook and cranny, but at the same time maintains the necessary DNA to be unmistakably identified as part of the Legend of Zelda series. Except for the voice acting. But other than that, I remember uh, when they announced it's going to be an open-world game, and my reaction was, oh no. Like there's there's no way Nintendo's gonna be able to figure this out, and I, I'm just glad I was so wrong. How dare you doubt Nintendo? Yeah, and uh, Chris Lichiost, Lichiost, Lee Hosett, that's fucking bullshit. Get a new name. Uh, I'm gonna call you Spelunky because that's what he says is a perfect game. Uh, there was a period of about three years where I played it every single day for the daily challenge. Uh, the controls are pixel perfect. Uh, the design uh, has a ton, of, a ton of hidden depth, and the music's great. And it felt like I was—I learned something new in every run. I like narrative games and large-scale experiences, but Spelunky focused on uh, perfecting its core gameplay and designed to the point where I could understand how Spelunky 2 uh, could top it. Um, I can't understand how Spelunky 2 could top it. The, the decade had me uh, tackling different challenges and games in my life, uh, and Spelunky encompasses that more than any other game, even though it took me months to stop jumping into those goddamn tiki traps. I feel you, buddy. Uh, I was I'm the same way with uh, Dead Cells. I fucking love Dead Cells. Yeah. I pick it up every so often, just play it for like two hours. Uh, Rebecca Louise Swift, hey Rebecca Swift, says mm-hmm. I think the game that defined the last decade for me is easily Portal Two. It's the one game mm-hmm. I can pick up and play a few Ooh. levels every now and then and always enjoy myself. The levels and character design are some of the best in any game I've ever played, and it's legitimately funny almost the entire way through. Either with spoken dialogue, Cave Johnson, silly environmental storytelling, the Ratman dens, or my favorite, the signs on the wall, such as "In case of implosion, look directly at implosion," or "Glados <laughs> emergency shutdown and cake dispensary keep unlocked." Also, it's the closest thing to Half-Life Two Episode Three that we're probably ever going to get. True, valid. We have one video response. Red Rock Nine Six Three says. Hey VGA, it is Redrock963 and my kitty Lita. 
And I've got to say, I've been really enjoying you guys' personal games of the decade. Oh, it's been you. very interesting to listen to. And it was kind of hard for me to figure out my game of the decade. And I ultimately landed on Undertale. Hmm, there because you go. for me, that was one of the first indie games I had ever played that just really resonated with me. And I can tell that it resonated with a lot of other people because I found out about it via um, a lot of my friends drawing fan art. And then I played the game over, I think, like a, the Thanksgiving weekend, the year it came out. And then I couldn't put it down. Um, the endings gave me feels. And then next thing I know, I'm drawing fan art of Undertale. <laughs> and then my husband played it, and it really didn't art. get to him as much because, you know, my, my husband's kind of a robot. <laughs> don't say that. And <clears throat> I'm kidding, by the way. Right. And he, he liked the game just fine, but what got to him was the music. Mm -hmm. And just hearing him do play Undertale songs in his car and do playing Undertale fan songs in his car has just blown my mind. And yeah. um, I'm really happy for Toby Fox, the guy who did that game, and how much stuff he's been getting with Nintendo and all of that. And yeah, I mean, it was an excellent game, and I'm happy to talk about it, and I'm happy to talk to you guys, and I hope that you have an excellent week, and I'll catch you later. Thank you. I hope Toby Fox is a millionaire. That guy's a mad genius. I'm sure he is. Yeah, yeah. Kat, you, uh, you weren't here last week. We normally do this at the top before reading all the comments, but what, what is your personal game of the decade? Oh, my personal game of the decade? Mm -hmm. I think I would personally probably put hmm oh man that's a hard one i think i'd probably put witcher 3 up there really uh I'm witcher 3 it's is not FIFA. a friggin incredible game it is just a masterpiece of an rpg uh and the more i played it the more i just came to appreciate how good the quest design in that game is uh how well layered in the choices are uh the beauty of the world uh, I love how they handled the romances. I had so much fun gathering up all of the different armor and equipment. I thought that the expansion packs were just awesome. I mean, they're so well done. And they're... I mean, you should go and listen to my uh, my entire podcast with Katie over on Acts of the Blood God, where I talk about... or where we talk about The Witcher 3 for our Top 25 RPG countdown. And we go into... A, a lot of um, a, a lot of what makes Witcher Three special, and Katie, in her typically blunt, blunt way, and I love her for it, said something to the effect of, "If you can't see the greatness of The Witcher Three, then you're a moron who can't be trusted." And I was like, <laughs> "Thank you. I agree with you." Okay, well put. <laughs> Witcher Three is epic. Yeah, it is. It is. Come back and we're gonna gonna try and finish it this time. It's it, there's just so much game there. It's it's oh, daunting. Yeah. Man. I finally I yeah. finally settled. So it's dense, I, isn't it? I yeah. upgraded my PC recently and was dismayed. Is like oh, this still can't run Witcher at, at more than 24 FPS at 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 uh, 4K. Wow. And so I'm like, you know what? You know what can run this at a pretty stable frame rate at 4K? My Xbox One X. I'm just gonna play on that. Now. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, with the DLC, so. Dude, it's so good. And you know what? Everyone always talks about Blood and Wine DLC. Play Heart of Stone. I actually think the story stuff they're telling in Heart of Stone between the dude and his wife. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. Some of the most Heart of Stone is amazing. Some of the most touching 
storytelling that series has ever done is oh god just you gotta play it I don't wanna spoil it Hmm. Um, so that one that (laughs) nice that's a pretty good one All right. we do need a new question of the week Um, I think we should ask this question again what personal game of the decade yeah or like what's what's one that may not make everybody's list but is your personal blabbity book Oh, the one that won't make everybody's list, but is a personal favorite. Yeah, a personal a personal favorite. You would Ooh. like. I would have to go back through my list uh, through the years. I'm sure that there are plenty. Now it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be definitive. Just like mm. uh, something you feel like never gets shattered out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I think that's, that's a good, good question. Like, yeah, Dark Horse. You're... So yeah, what's what's a? Do we want to leave this discussion? And why not? Yeah, what what's a game that. Is is one of your personal favorites of the decade, but you don't think would make anyone else's lists. Uh, I'm going to steal one of Chris's and say Scott Pilgrim, because oh, you bet. that that probably shouldn't make anyone's list, but it is an amazing game uh, that meant a lot to me and Chris and our circle of friends when it came out, and uh, I feel like it it may be responsible for the current wave of great like River City Ransom esque beat 'em ups we've been getting lately. And uh, yeah, it it occupies a special place in my heart. I would love to see it become uh, purchasable again. I really wanted to give this give this one of my personal games of the year, uh, games of the decade, but it it just felt too recent. And you're going to shit on it, mm-hmm. but uh, Beat Saber. Beat Saber, nice. I think I think Beat Saber is it is it is the best thing. Uh, let's say something like PlayStation VR has going to tell. Uh, I don't want to say a casual market, but like an everyday core market that you do need VR. There are mm-hmm. things you can't do. There are experiences you can't have without this. And if you if you didn't get that that update for a uh, uh, Beat Saber, the ninety degree version of the levels where you have to like, l- do you know what I'm talking about? Have you played the new version? I haven't. No, it's incredible. Like before, it was just you're staring down this Guitar Hero fretboard. Now it's like. You're looking all the, 90 degrees from left to right. Mm. That's that's where these things come at you. So you swat them like moths or uh, or like zombies if you need uh, with lightsabers. But it's like, yeah, it's way more frantic and w- like, dude, it's legit exercise. Uh, and it's it's one of the best proof of concepts I've seen for uh, like casual VR. Nice, like something you might be missing out on. You know what else is a great uh, case maker for casual VR is Trover Saves the Universe, filled with weird, like, fat bird dudes who <laughs> scream, Ah, my butthole, you hit me in the butthole, I hate you, fuck you, in Justin Roiland's voice. shit on anything else, but, like, yeah, <laughs> like, but that's that's the one VR game I think everybody should play. Yeah. And I really love Astrobot. I really love oh, Astrobot. Astrobot's great. Astrobot's great. I, yeah. think, I think that... And then if you talk about casual VR games, I think Tetris Effect. But not that you need VR for Tetris, you, but you really to show don't. but to show what you can do with VR for a game you're used to playing in other mm-hmm. ways, Tetris Effect is a great VR great. is such a natural medium for music. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. it's a yeah. sensory deprivation chamber where you can just yeah. truly appreciate it. Yeah. Well said, Tetris. So my entry, I don't want people to get confused. I think a lot of people would have gone home on their yeah. Dark Horse game of the game of the decade. I'm going to go home if you say gone home. No, I'm going to say grow home. Oh, seriously? The little platformer that could by Ubisoft Reflections. I loved this game, and it was such just like this game that no one saw coming. And the mechanic of, like Zelda, you climb up things, but just how they put the climbing, you're mapping your hands to the triggers on the Mm -hmm. controller as you're climbing the walls. 
And I just love that, like, if you fell off, like, you could glide around. And it's just like, we talked a little bit about how Mario, Mario Odyssey evolved the platformer because, you know, that kind of is a stale formula and you need to try new things. And Grow Home is like, an, in an alternate universe, a different way you can evolve the platformer to make everything vertical. It's so it's so strange. Like, I've never played this. And then I'll, like, click on a random stream, like... This is what the game actually looks like. It's, I had no idea, dude. I had no idea okay. the game looked this crazy. Do you, okay, this will sell you on the game, Chris. If you ever wanted, if you ever used to watch Mickey and the Beanstalk and ever wondered yeah. what it would be like to hold on to the beanstalk as it's growing, Grow Home is the game for you. It is so oh, yeah, good and so overlooked. I've, I've deleted it from my hard drive like fifteen times to make room yep. for other. Never things. heard of it before, so there you go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So Grow Home is a dark my dark horse yeah. game of and the decade. Grow actually. Up, I think, is the sequel. Grow Up is good too. Uh-huh. People didn't like it as much as Grow Home. It added a lot of things to Grow Grow Home. Where I think if you if you love Grow Home, you're gonna like Grow Up. Just start with Grow Home. It's so good. I went through my old lists just to see like what would be uh, a good choice, and I I found it. Okay. Okay. My yeah. choice is Pocket Card Jockey. Oh my oh god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love Pocket Card Jockey. Talk about this one of my favorite games. It's not on our top 100 list, but holy cow, what a game. It is so freaking funny. I mean, if you're not familiar with the concept, you are a jockey who is so bad that they literally die and then come back as a god jockey who can, wins by playing solitaire. solitaire. And, and it is the best hybrid solitaire horse racing sim i never knew i wanted like you you're literally there are points where you're timing your moves in solitaire to make your horse run around that last bend like to hit the straight like it is so good and like so like who thought of this what drugs are they on and how do i get some because this is the weirdest fucking thing ever and it's so addicted to not working on pokemon games (laughs) (laughs) that's right it's game freak Mm-hmm. But in, but it has some mechanics where it almost reminds me of uh, Rusty the baseball Rusty Slugger Rusty Slugger like it has like a little bit of that sense of humor occasionally yeah that's a good choice cat uh, and Thank I it, I have a personal memory of that it it, it got me through a four day weekend with my Republican uncle uh, <laughs> and just wow. just I'll never I'll never there, like. I'll never love a game for that reason again, because hopefully I'll never see him again. But, uh, <laughs> Wait, is this the sob driving uncle you always talk about? No, no, he's great. He's great. <laughs> so the genius Real. of Pocket Car Jockey is that it gets you into a loop, and you just, you're like, okay, well, this horse didn't work out, but next time. Next and the time. tension in there, the tension when you get to the higher level races, when you're trying to win like the Triple Crown and stuff, is mm. really intense, because you could have an amazing horse, but if you F up, Sorry, that's the yeah. end of your, You've your run, You've ruined that horse right? for that generation. Because it's kind of, it's not like a roguelike where you have to start from scratch. But basically, every time, yeah, you, you breed a new horse, you're starting the racing circuit from the beginning. And you're trying to get all of the trophies. And yeah. honestly, I wish sports games, when they were doing their career modes, would understand what makes Pocket Card Jockey tick. Mm-hmm. I've literally pointed like developers of sports games to Pocket Card Jockey and been like, this is the game. Yeah. And they just look at me like, qua? You're like, let <laughs> me like, play solitaire with my Madden Ultimate Team cards. Come on. <laughs> Make this a reality. But the point is that the concepts behind uh, getting in-game achievements, behind solving micro goals while also having long-term goals, that is what makes a career mode mm. like last dozens upon dozens of seasons. Yep. It's an amazing game. Yep. Perfect. Nice. 
Uh, I feel like we should also toss an honorable mention to Minecraft, which I know made the top of a lot of other people's games of the decade. Uh, but if you're if, if we're dealing in technicalities here, it uh, came out in 2009. So, but I, I think uh, no other game has had quite as much of an effect on this past decade, and uh, I think you can chalk up the success of Fortnite in large part to the fact that it's like it's like PUBG meets Minecraft, where uh, the, the generation that was raised on Minecraft gets to build shit while shooting at each other, uh, and and yeah, it's it's been huge, but um, not technically part well, of the decade. Well, and and it, look, this is our personal list. Yes, also personalized to us. Uh-huh. And if these if these assholes would have voted what was the right choice, I wouldn't <laughs> have to make such a case at a Mario Kart Eight Deluxe. <laughs> God damn it, you guys infuriate me. Could I cheat and add one more? Sure, Please. do it, Cat. Uh, Darkest Dungeon was awesome. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I played so many hours of that game. It is one of my favorite games. I cannot wait for the sequel. It's just a perfect uh, party-building dungeon crawler. Um, And the aesthetic is incredible and extremely influential. And the combat system is pitch perfect. Literally, the only thing I don't like about it is... There's a certain point where it just becomes a giant grind, and you're like, okay, I, I don't need. I've seen everything there is to see of this game, but for many, many hours, it is pure genius. Any game that has an insanity system, I kind of mm. want to hear more about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, Westerado, that was a lot of fun. Uh, weird, open ended, pixely uh, western where you can just kind of shape the story however you want. And, like, I want to hunt down this guy who killed my parents or whatever it is that he's supposed to have done. Now I want to go participate in this fight against local natives, and then I'm going to switch sides and join the natives, and I'm going to destroy all the, the cowboy people. Hmm. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. It's by Adult Swim Games. Go go play it. Anyway, what is a game that would make your top games of the decade list, but won't make anyone else's. Let us know. Go to VigiGameApocalypse.com Answer under the comments for episode 352. Alternately, you can visit the official LaserTime community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer, or hit us up on Twitter at VGApocalypse. Let us know, and we will pick out some of the best answers to read next week anyway that's been our show let's go with some plugs cat uh tell us more about us gamer and acts of the blood god yeah acts of the blood god is our rpg podcast it comes out every single monday um hosted by nadia oxford and myself Hmm. um we're in the middle of a, a a series called the console rpg quest where we go through every single home console and handheld and talk about its rpg legacy or lack thereof and uh yeah it's been a lot of fun also, you should go check out US Gamer, which is our our webpage, and uh, probably as of the release of this podcast, our top 100 should be up as well for Ooh, the games wow. of the decade. So please go check it out. USG, USG, and, uh, sure it's much better than ours. As always, I have to plug um, patreoncom time. It's how we're funded. Uh, how everyone gets paid, reimbursed for the games we play, and. Uh, and the, the equipment we use and the bandwidth, all that, blah, blah, blah. But I do want to plug Laser Time and Cat in particular because, Cat, uh, I, I, I keep meaning to reach out to you. I have been thinking about you more than usual oh, lately. Thank you. Um, because you had one of my favorite podcasts we ever did, which was about Star Wars 
extended universe stuff, which mm. I never felt like looking into until I was incredibly dissatisfied with Rise of the Skywalker. <laughs> so, so I have gone down so many rabbit holes of expanded universe fiction and, yes, the leaked script and concept art, but like y- you are way more of an expert on that. And you have a really funny rant that I, I'm, I'm not going to try and recreate, but uh, something I always thought was funny, <laughs> yelling about Star Wars canon. Oh, man. I kind of want to know what it is now. I, well, I, it's been so many know, years at this point. It's, it was a while ago, yeah. But like, uh, I don't know. I, I almost want to like revisit the subject with you, like the alternate history that maybe the new trilogy could have taken or maybe a new trilogy mm. could take. Oh, that's a, it's a big topic for sure. Yeah. There's still a lot of people who love the expanded universe. If you want to go listen to that, it is from the December 7th, 2015 episode of laser time. It's Jesus. entitled guide to the star Wars expanded universe. I've known cat for five years. I feel like I just met you. The funny thing about that episode is that I walked in, not really knowing the format of the show. So I just basically hijacked it. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, you were the only one with any information. <laughs> you guys were trying to host the show like you normally do, and I'm like, no, no, I'm going to tell you all about this now. <laughs> I, I had, I had it in my notes. Make sure to mention Splinter of the Mind's Eye, and then Cat like, yeah, I got you. I'll start talking now. <laughs> <laughs> fun episode. Nice. Yeah, that was a really fun episode. But that was like right when uh, Disney announced they were closing, they were oh, making wow. the legacy. Yeah. Uh, what is it? What do they call it? The Legends. The Legends. So this was before TFA. I think it was. It was right before it came out. Wow. Yeah. Can I ask you real quick? How, what, how, what do you think of Picard? Oh, I haven't seen it yet. You fucking loser. I know. I am Watching such a sports. fraud. But my girlfriend and I, we've been, we met arguing about Star Trek. No joke. Yeah. Um, we are going to watch it together um, and have a nice date night. So nice. <gasps> If you see Kat on Twitter, she's good with uh, uh, science fiction questions. Just saying. Hell yeah. Hell <laughs> yeah. Well, Chris, you brought up Disney. Uh, that's a chance for me to plug a bonus time episode that's coming up. Oh, you don't want to plug this week's episode? Uh, I was going to plug both, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there are two There are two bonus time episodes I'm on. So this week, you get to hear Matthew Allen cry on a podcast. Uh, we, 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 we talk about uh, celebrities who shocked us with their deaths because of the recent Kobe Bryant news. Um, and I have a moment. Whatever. It's fine. Go listen to it, please. Uh, and then Aww. on a future episode, Chris and I just did a thing all about uh, what's not on Disney+. Plus. And it goes in some places. So we're doing that one with uh, <laughs> 302010 Zone. Sarah is on that show That's with true. us. That's true. And uh, next week, uh, come heck or high water, and that's not a reference to a movie we covered before, <laughs> Uh, it's Oscar time. Yes. Which, yeah. it is Oscar time. We will be so writing look, sketches and watching movies and talking about said movies. It'll be a fun once time. Once again, we'll, we'll have watched all the Best Picture nominees, so you don't have to, and um, breaking down what we think, what what should win. And, like, usually we're disappointed. Last year was the first time ever, like, oh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse got an Oscar. Like, all right, I should just go. I should just put a bullet in my head because life will never get better. <laughs> so congratulations uh, to Matt Damon and Christian Bale for Ford versus Ferrari. For, yes. And then I had to sit through the rest of the Oscars and watch Green Book win. Like, I seriously <laughs> wish I would have killed myself. Green Book. Uh, Jesus. It, well, life life was great. Book of this year? 
Um, Four versus Ferrari. Joker. That's, that's a safe take. <laughs> Joker is the green book of yeah, this year. Yeah, Joker does not deserve to be on there, and I actually enjoyed that movie. I can see it getting nominated for performance, but not for a film. Yeah, it, that it's it's weird, but I, I I do feel like I mean we'll talk about it, but I feel like a lot of the reaction to it was. A little overstated, but it, it is kind of oh, like... Oh, you mean the reaction before the movie came out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he- hearing about how it's like, oh, it's it's about incels. It's like, it's really not, because Joker mm-hmm. thinks he fucks. But uh, he, uh, like, like, yeah, it, it's kind of underlining the idea that, like, Batman is a billionaire who dresses up in a costume and beats up poor people. <laughs> That's what the movie's actually about. And also, the, and also, I like to call it the movie is the Napoleon Dynamite of Martin Scorsese movies. So mm. uh, it doesn't deserve an Oscar for Best Picture <laughs> <Yeah>. at all. <laughs> Agreed. Especially when you're nominated up against a Martin Scorsese picture, which also shouldn't win. You know what? Mm-hmm. I'm getting ahead of myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laser time. This week is about uh, uh, dead mascots. Ooh. Mascots they've retired. Well, this podcast is almost as long as the Irishman. So, <laughs> oh god, <laughs> almost. Damn. Wow. We need to put out a guide for for, uh, listening to this. No, I I put it on last night while I was typing up sketches, and this podcast is longer than the Irishman. Jesus. All right. We should cut it Is it time for me to say some other podcast isn't a real podcast then? Yes. Yeah. Like like the Irishman or Uh like Scorsese. No more jokes. Let's go in for the close. All right. As always, come visit our website at vgameapocalypse.com. Hit us up on Twitter at vgapocalypse, or visit me personally at wikipars, while I, where I will occasionally say uh, funny and or dumb things that go unexpectedly viral. Uh, anyway, that's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Fucking see you, balls. I'm done with you. Yep. I'll put some fucking marbles in there. I, I hope you recorded that. Yes, we did. He's so Matt said I could have his balls. You heard it. Dibs. Dibs. You, you got to pick, like, pick a side, Chris. See you, balls. You got to pick a side.